mistakes made. The gun is good. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Who are you? I'm your brother. Well, I am now one dummy. They're eating her. And then they're going to eat me. Because all you of Earth are idiots. Everything is at your order. That I promise you. Damn, looks like my women is on time. Babe, I could show warm you up. No shit, baby. No! Yes. To be like the human. Hey, man, we've spoken well, I mean. <laughs> you don't have to die. Well, no one has to die, Bernie. You can live. Live! Black Yeah, we're going to have to do something about that. Oh, hey, everybody. Welcome to season four of Cinema du Fromage, a place where we glorify really cheesy cinema. And this week, we've got a humdinger as Rowdy, Roddy Piper, has to figure out what he's going to do without bubblegum. This week, they live. Anytime. Mm. Professionalism. I love it. If we get to start this trailer or what? No. <laughs> oh. Kente, are you starting the trailer yet? I want to just sit in here talking. Ah. these things want and why are they here you still don't get it do you boy they have recruited the rich and the powerful they're running the whole show wake up they're all about you all around you blind us to the truth take a look they are safe as long as they are not discovered i don't know what they are or where they came from but we gotta stop them stay away from me put these on they have us look at them they're everywhere We have no other choice. I don't like this one bit. Leave it alone, man. It ain't none of my business, ain't none of yours. We have been lulled into a trance. Listen to what I'm saying to you. We're in trouble. The whole world's in trouble. Control us! You're sending some kind of signals out of TV sets. I've got one that can see. Mama don't like tattletale. Now we start spilling some blood. Let's go! Push I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick And I'm all out of bubblegum.
better. Welcome, everyone. Um, we are starting our first episode of the season, and we have our usual gang of uh, critics, and we have a special guest tonight as well. So let's go around the table and introduce each other, and uh, no, we'll introduce ourselves. I'm not going to introduce anybody else because I could not do the job well, but we shall introduce ourselves, and then I think Kente will be describing the movie we're talking about. So let's start off on the... Wait. Far side over here. Kente, go ahead. Hello, I'm Kente, and I'm happy to be here. And um, just as a... Uh, it's kind of... We all pick uh, four films each season, right? To talk about. And this was going to be one of my films, but then I saw King Penguin selected it, so it's like I got an extra movie. So, thank you, King. Oh, I could have changed that. <laughs> oh, well. Right. Josh. I think Josh is next. Uh, well, I'm Josh, and I'm very happy to be here talking about the wonderful <clears throat> movies that we are going to be uh, watching this season. Films. Uh, yeah. films. Yes. Yes. Wonderful, wonderful films. <laughs> yeah, now you know how I felt a few minutes ago, eh? Just hang on them for a long period of time. Keep the camera on, the Kente. Nothing uncomfortable about that. <laughs> and now uh, we have also Jen, who's just a picture, but a picture uh, um, of loveliness. Go ahead, Jen. Yeah, just, just the floating avatar here. Okay, so it's my job in this show to actually bring you the truly cheesy of the cheesy. I am the uh, selector of perhaps the more MST of uh, our little gang here. So you know that this season, I will definitely deliver on some of the cheesiest movies around. Just wanted to throw that out there. Please make sure that you tune in for the rest. It's going to be great. Cheese Queen lives. There you go. And I'm not even from Wisconsin. Just (laughs) (laughs) Well, going from the past, I know that almost... Half of the films you pick, I absolutely hate. So I can't wait. Uh, I you know I forgot to look at the list. So I'm sure there's going to be something in there that's going to bug me. I consider that to be a badge of honor. <laughs> oh, and tonight we have a special guest. And I'm not even from Wisconsin. Just... <laughs> <laughs> She's still not from Wisconsin. <laughs> we have a special guest host tonight. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your... Uh, I don't know, affiliation with the film. Hi, everyone. Uh, Cher Davis here. And uh, it's been a minute uh, since I've been on indie radio, but I'm so glad to be back uh, in the fam. And uh, this movie in particular uh, struck me with how relevant it is, actually, to uh, the world's current circumstances. So, oh, yeah, ready to comment. Did my homework. Did my little check checkpoint list. So yeah, I can't wait to discuss this. <laughs> Y'all have me at WWE uh Roddy Rowdy Piper. WWF, don't forget. Oh yes, yeah, excuse me. Excuse me. Old school WWF. Yes. Uh teamed up with Keith David of all folks. Yeah. Loved it. So Kente. For those who are unindoctrinated into this film, which I use those words on purpose, uh, go ahead and tell us 
about the movie. Okay, I, I can definitely do that. I will be reading from the Bible that is known as um, Wikipedia. And uh, it says, Nada, Roddy Roddy Piper, a wanderer, a wanderer without meaning in his life, discovers a pair of sunglasses capable of showing the world the, world the way it truly is. As he walks through the streets of Los Angeles, Nada notices that both the media and the government are compromised of subliminal messages meant to keep most of the population subdued and that most of the social elite are skull-faced aliens bent on world domination. With this shocking discovery, Nada fights to free humanity from the mind control of the aliens released in release date November 4th, 1988. And I saw this when it came out. I was in the theaters watching this when it came out, and I loved it. So, yes, my brother did not. He thought it was dumb, but I liked it. And that's because our politics are a little bit different. But that's okay. Speaking of politics, um, let's start off right away. Um, this film, at, and Carpenter has admitted it's a very political film. And I, the problem is nowadays, it's been kind of co-opted by certain other people to mean something that it doesn't this film was basically an anti-reagan anti-capitalist uh film um and nowadays people think it's about big government and everything like that and it's like no you're really not getting the point this film is basically a uh, as he put it giving the finger to ronald reagan uh and it came out just a week before or a week after, I'm trying to remember, uh, the elections of George W. Bush, uh, the, the or H.W. Bush, I guess it would have been, Herbert Walker, the first Bush, Bush the first. So, um, yeah, and this film was basically a look at, you know, he, as Car Carpenter said himself, this was looking at his uh, his views of, he grew up in the 60s and he had these idealistic views and everything, and the 80s came along and it was all about consuming capitalism and this whole idea that, you know, uh, consuming was what a person did, and that's all their job was, and that we have to stop thinking about doing these things you know, where you have poverty is not something to be dealt with, it's just something that is a reality. Um, and that, you know, this actually, this film, and I'm sure uh, I'll have a few people agree with me. This film, and you, uh, you said yourself, uh, share that this is more relevant today, and I think it is. I think this is basically this film was saying, "Hey, this is what Reaganomics is sort of what it could be," and now we're living in what it has become, where you have the large amount of people on the bottom without much hope, and you've got a few people on the top who control everything. And I'm not talking about you know conspiracy or anything i'm talking about just having their fingers all over the economic buttons and controlling things through that and that yeah oh owed to the decade of decadence right yep, uh, yep. as they call it yep absolutely i mean uh, we're gonna get political here for a few minutes and forgive me those people but the fact is that it was a time of deregulation and uh, and shutting down of programs you had people uh being uh, like Reagan himself during his time as governor prior to being uh, president, uh, shut down a lot of mental institutions and put those people out on the streets. And so you see a lot of that kind of thing going. And this movie kind of reflects it. It's almost like saying this is what the 90s could be because uh, it was supposed to be looking ahead and, you know, larger scale poverty uh, and, you know, more people on the streets. And nowadays where you've got, you know, coronavirus, you've got uh, all the stuff that's going on with the uh, 
within you know cities and everything and you have this this threat of um, people who are renting you know not being able to pay and possibly being evicted in large numbers uh which could lead to large scale homelessness which is what this film shows and it's kind of like uh it's kind of scary because it's not trying to predict that but it's saying this is the result of that kind of behavior and i mean when you have the last time i looked uh and bless me but i have yet to make it out there to la uh, and kente of course can verify for me but the last time i looked skid row uh still exists has grown and when you have a certain area of an entire city that's a homeless population that could basically have its own zip code uh yeah <laughs> tis a problem so just saying yeah no no 100 percent true um and uh it's funny because being a resident of los angeles when every time i see this movie the, the places the locations are very familiar they uh i mean i go by them all the time like the homeless encampment scene i go by there all the time uh where that scene was shot um most of the places are in downtown los angeles and whatnot so uh which is very cool to um that um you know these places that are just normal everyday places for for me uh depicted in this film um so uh but i just want to quickly talk about how i came to find out about this film um, my brother, who's 10 years older than me, I'm the youngest, uh, and he's next to me in age, uh, he went to go see it. And, uh, you know, back in the day, you would go to a movie and you didn't always know what you were going to see. Remember those days where you would go to the movie and then you just look and you see, oh, they live, that sounds interesting, let me, you know, let me go see it. And my brother had done that, and I remember this like this was yesterday. It was like he had a spiritual awakening or something. Because he came home, or he, he came, I don't think he was living at the house at that point. No, I'm a kid at this point, like 12, maybe 13, I can't remember. Uh, and I remember him coming home and said, I saw this movie called They Live, and when it comes on video, you're going to watch it. Like, he literally told me I, I was going to watch it. So he wasn't even going to sneak you into the theater or anything like that. <laughs> no, you have no wait until it's okay. I, I <laughs> I, you know, I, you know, I'm a child, so I know what he's talking about. I'm just like, I, just, I, mean, I remember it though, vividly. He was like, "You're gonna watch this movie, right?" So the movie came out on video, and I remember he's—he had never done this before. He went and rented it, and brought it over to the house, and was like, "Everybody in the family is gonna watch this movie." And I remember watching it, and I remember, you know, he made this big deal about us watching it. And we're sitting there watching it and fell in love with it. Even at a, at 12 or whatever, how old I was, just fell in love with the movie right away. And that and the thing that's interesting about They Live is They Live was not a hit at all. It was actually a, a, a box office bomb. But it was one of those legend type movies where like, because you know how now you can get to pretty much any movie now, you can get it online. At that time, it wasn't. It was hard to find, especially like after the initial release. It was hard to find on video, and it was like this movie that no one had seen. And I would bring it up as one of my favorite movies, and people would be like, "No clue what you're talking about." Like wow, for a long time, I couldn't find nobody who's seen the movie. 
And then when I got a, my when I actually had a VHS copy of it, I remember like making girlfriends watch it with me. You know, uh, <laughs> how long did they stay girlfriends? Yeah, like that? I, I, you know, perfect uh, dating first date uh, material. You know, uh, there. I've been yeah. known to make girlfriends watch certain movies with me, <laughs> and they live was on the list of like you got to see this. You know, and um, so and then it was funny all of a sudden. I don't know when it happened. All of a sudden, I'm seeing Obey t-shirts and I'm seeing, you know, the aliens on t-shirts and stuff. And it was like, I don't know what it was. It seemed like it just happened at once. Mm -hmm. It became this cult phenomenon, you know, where now everybody seems like they've seen it. So I don't know if anybody has any more insight into, was there something specifically that, was there some kind of, I don't know if there was a Simpsons tie-in because that seems like that's the thing that the Simpsons talk about something then it becomes, you know, <laughs> like that. Or, or I, I don't know what it was, but it was like all of a sudden it became this movie that that people knew about. And um, so uh, that's just my in- entree to it. I've wa- I watch it at least once a year, at least once a year. So um, I have a, a few movies like that yeah. that I watch once a year, and, and this is definitely one of them. So, uh, uh, King. Jen? Oh, Jen. Yeah, I was going to say, Jen, what about you? What was your first experience with the movie? And oh, what are your thoughts on it, actually? Let's just be general right now. Um, <clears throat> well, I don't remember when I first saw the movie, but I am pretty sure, like you guys, I saw it on VHS, which actually gives you less information about something. But even at the time, I remember seeing that it was by John Carpenter and thinking, oh, it's got to be good because John Carpenter did it. And so I I don't remember exactly what I was thinking was gonna, but I do, there are some iconic scenes that I remember and just as a, sort of an up-to-date anecdote. Okay, so a couple of weeks ago, um, I know I'm behind the times. I got my first Apple Watch, okay? <laughs> and I was in a store and I actually did the, I've got one that can see. And nobody around me laughed, and I was so sad. <laughs> but did you open a portal? Because well, that's the key right there. Um, we won't talk about that because you know that's kind of a <laughs> secret. But you know, a- anyway, well, a double entendre there. Oh, it, it was it was so fun. It, I mean, I actually walk around my house still going. I've got one they can see, and now my kids think it's hilarious. But yeah, whatever. Um, so I, the the. The, the thing that I was going to say, though, is the, the whole John Carpenter thing. I, this has John Carpenter's sort of messy fingerprints all over it. And it always makes me happy to see. It, it, it is a totally correct movie for Cinema du Fromage because it is absolutely, it has some of the most ridiculous lines of almost any movie, almost any movie. Um, and they are just said with such beautiful overacting it's it i mean it's a thing to behold the the parts that i loved about this movie are all of the little pieces that uh i think most people would just overlook like one of my favorite parts in this movie is the scene where he is looking um up at the helicopter and and i keep thinking to myself why is he looking at the helicopter? Why does that even make any difference to him at this point? And then later we find out why it matters. And for him, for being this, you know, kind of drifter guy, 
there's like all these little uh, hints that we get early on that, oh, you know, hey, maybe he's not as dumb as we think he is. And then the movie goes on, and no, he's actually just as dumb as we think. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. I, I really love this. He's, he's Mr. Blue Collar all the way through this film. He's definitely... uh, but but I think in the beginning they try to set him up to maybe be something more than is he special ops? Is he? I mean, he's holding those binoculars like there's no tomorrow. What's going on? And then no, you find out he's just actually dumb. And I I, I want to say something uh, just before we go to the next person is uh, we won't get to this. We're gonna spoil it obviously. But when we get to the ending, we'll give you fair warning that we're talking about the ending. And that's for any Cinema de Fermat show. So I know that some people, they start finding out about films through this show. And then we don't want to ruin it 100% for them. So that so we'll let you know, we'll let you know when we're getting to the spoiler of the ending. So I'm sorry. Uh, Josh, right, is next? Yes, Josh is next. Well, what can I say? I discovered this movie because I'm a pro wrestling fan. I know, I know, but I'm not ashamed of it. Uh, anything with a hot rod in it's going to be great. He is and always has been uh, a killer performer. So when I was a wee lad and I heard that, you know, he, he was in a movie. Of course, I had to see it. It was one of my favorites. I was never never a Hulkamaniac kid. I was down with the hot rod, Roddy Roddy Piper. It was only natural. So my, my actual thoughts on the movie, I'm honestly amazed that we even get to talk about it because I'm, I'm kind of on the fence of, of whether or not this is really a super cheesy movie or a really great movie with cheesy moments. You know, and that's pretty much, um, I think, sums up my opinion of it. it. It's great all pretty much all the way through. I don't think that. Um, OK, he's a little dumb, uh, but the way it starts off, though, he, I'd say streetwise, uh, he, he's observant. And able to kind of connect dots that may, maybe some people wouldn't be able to. That's why he was the one that, you know, found uh, what he found and was able to talk to the people he eventually talked to. I don't want to, you know, dig deep into story yet. But, yeah, the, what brought me into it was Ronnie. That, and that's what kept me entertained throughout. Plus... Aliens. So, <laughs> what's not to love? was made for me. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I would pay to see that film. Wrestlers versus aliens. <laughs> not, not the aliens. Oh gosh! Just aliens fighting wrestlers in a battle royale to save the planet. Oh my gosh! We've had versus cowboys. Aliens. We've had yeah, cowboys yeah. versus aliens. Yeah. So why not? Imagine John Cena taking on an alien. That's in the chat. uh, And I'm telling you, we are writing that. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, Brandon? Brandon Jump? Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's so much that we can go through with this film. Um, I think the cast, right? 
yeah. uh, let's talk about the casting of Roddy Roddy Piper as Nada. Um, mm. At the time, Which he's not called in, all in the film. Right. He's called John. He was called John once or twice, and that's it. And Nada has a double meaning in in the film, in that uh, because it is in the credits saying Nada. Nada is uh, the name of the short story that, or the comic that John Carpenter was inspired by, mm-hmm. where some guy who was hypnotized suddenly wakes up and sees that everybody's aliens who are in control. Um, but the other side is to Nada meaning nothing, or he's a blank okay. slate which is an uh, interesting thing too. So he's a nothing in the society. Right. Um, but yeah. And is he dumb? Eh, yeah, there's times he can act dumb. Like there's better ways of getting so convincing someone to put on sunglasses than to getting into a five or 10 minute brawl. Um, <laughs> easily, easily my favorite part of the whole. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, easily. <laughs> I swear I'm in the theater watching this because I saw it in its initial run in the theater. And I'm watching this, and the fight's going. And you're used to sort of like, okay, a couple of guys, pound, 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 a couple of hits, a karate kick here and there, and the guy's down, and that's it. But they fight, and they fight. And I'm kind of, okay, okay, this is cool. Okay, and they fight. Okay, now they're done. No, no, okay, they keep going, and they keep going. And it gets to the point where it's hilarious because it is just so long and so drawn out. And yet at the same time, aside from a few wrestling flips, it's almost like a real fight because you're seeing these guys just throwing bloody hits and getting hurt. And the way that Piper looks and and um, and Keith David look when they're going into the hotel that you know later on and their faces are all swollen up. Going, okay, that's what I'd like to see because up to that point in '80s action films, you got into a fight and a fight. And you go ahead and get a cut here, a little scrape there. Yeah, it. you know, <laughs> my forehead, face, and it's like, oh, my nose has got a little bit of cut. Right Only there. a flesh wound, like. <laughs> You know, cosmetic going on yeah no you know what i love you know what i love about that that is you have roddy roddy piper one of the great wrestlers of all time and use him that that's something that he can do you know this yeah. is this easy work he, 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 he was did clear that he right. did he must have done all his own stunts like oh, there did. was there's no question yeah, I, yeah. I, I remember seeing an interview where keith david and Roddy Roddy Piper were talking about how much fun they had doing that scene. Mm. That I mean, and they just kept adding to it, and that's why it became what it was. But um, but going back before we get into the nuts and bolts of the story, um, at the time Roddy Roddy Piper, as the star of the film, was definitely a stretch, you know, mm-hmm. because you know he hadn't established himself as an actor outside of WWF. I know it's real, Josh. Okay, I know it's real. Before you get on me, those fans. So uh, no, but um, so like so, is even like, sad, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll do you one better. Hang on, hang on. Uh, yeah, uh huh, uh huh. Yeah, right here, right here, baby, right here. If you uh, if you think about it. Roddy Roddy Piper was a big star in the WWF, but was he oh, the yeah. biggest star? It was, it, was, it was a great heel at that time. He was the biggest heel of the time. He was just amazing. Like, I loved watching Piper's Pit when he came out. And he was, you know, he'd come yeah. out. And he, was, he was big. And it was great. when you, like, yeah. he, he was just, I think what he does in most of this film is just react. And he does it really well. Right. He's not doing much acting. He's doing a lot of reacting. But... Carpenter got his reactions to work. So, you know, when he's taking off the glasses and reacting to what he's seeing around him, he does it perfectly. You know, it's like you can see, 
okay, this guy's seeing something he never would have expected, and he doesn't know how to process it. And you're watching him trying to process what he's saying, and he's not quite getting it a bit. You know, it takes him forever to suddenly realize, okay, something's really wrong. I mean, he's staring at an alien guy at the uh, book stand, and all the books are saying, you know, obey and, and consume and sleep and conform. And he's staring at the guy. I think we have the picture behind us. Anyway, and he's like, he's not thinking like what we might think a hero would go. It's like, oh, you know what? I got to get out of this situation or try to talk my way out. And I can't let people know I'm seeing something weird. He's just staring at this guy and he can't stop staring at the guy. And the guy's noticing him staring at him going, okay, why are you staring at me? He, the alien's not cluing in that he's being, you know, spotted. But there's that, it's that great moment where he's just staring and staring and staring and not processing what he's going to do. <laughs> you okay. can, most of the movie is that him the glasses up and down <laughs> okay let, 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 let's also talk about the fact that at the time he was probably one of the most um iconically good looking uh wrestlers of the time i mean how can't even tell you how many people that even now will say oh i still remember him i had such a crush on him and you're like whoa okay. well the man could like, rock a kilt that's it. Yeah, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, and, he, and, and he still he, had his nose straight. You know, his nose wasn't like... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, uh, if you can, uh, kid, if you could find something on YouTube, it's, uh, one of the Piper's Pit uh, scenes, just to see what he was like for that, because he was great at being over the top field, but he wasn't like... It was, I don't know how you'd put it, but it was... He, he was... Magnetic. I mean, you'd watch and you'd want to boo him and you'd want to, uh, but you liked him too. Like, I was a big fan of, of Piper watching him. I didn't care much for Hulk Hogan. I liked Andre the Giant, but eh. but Piper, I mean, whenever he came on, I just, oh, okay. Piper's pit, going to watch it. If someone ends up with a chair to the face, ah, great, even better. But he didn't have to have that because he would just talk and he could talk trash better than any of them. And right. he just he had, had, his, he had charisma. Oh, Huge, huge. Oh, here we go. With Andre the Giant. Do we have sound? I don't hear any. Uh, they're they're going to, uh, you know, they're going to get us if we play it too long. Oh, too bad. Okay, because you have to hear him talking. Because basically he'd come up, okay, I want to talk to you about blah, blah. And he'd start talking to this, you know, Andre who wasn't a heel. And he's and he's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, what is it? You're just, you know, and he would start insulting the guy, but trying not to look like he's insulting. He's acting like, oh, I'm just doing an interview. And it would always end badly. Where you know the other guy want to kill him, and, and then he'd be kind of like, "What? I just you know we're just doing an interview." <laughs> I'll say this for for Piper: um, it felt like this film, and and because he didn't go on to become uh, an action star of note after his stint uh, with WWF, it felt like this film, uh, at least speaking from the actor's perspective, perhaps this was going to be his foray into um, becoming an action star. Mm -hmm. And I think that your observation is spot on about the fact that the lines he was given, he wasn't, he was given more stage direction than line. And I think he played off of that very well as the everyman who is trying to navigate his way through a situation that where he is totally out of his element. Um, he's seeing things around himself for the first time in a certain light. 
And I feel like he actually captured that quite well. I was I was surprised a little bit. And when it came to that fight sequence with Keith David, I feel like he also, because he's a wrestler of note, he has that improv um, capability where some of his reactions during the fight were very off the cuff and in the moment. You could tell, like, I want to, what I want to do is get the, the, the DVD and have, like, the director's commentary now. Now yeah. that I've seen it, I want to see the director's commentary to tell me during that scene what moves were planned and what wasn't. Because, ha- like, yes, there were some wrestling moves in there, but, like, I think there's a, a point where a wind a windshield of a car gets knocked out and stuff, and he looks like he genuinely, like, panicked. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, like it wasn't unintentional, but they rolled with it and kept rolling with it as that was, that was indie films are wont to do. You know, you get you get a gem on on film and an indie film, uh, you roll with that. So, um, but yeah, that's that's just my observations about his his capabilities during the film. Well, well, here's the thing: the fight was choreographed, and it wasn't choreographed by Piper. Piper had some input on some of the parts, uh, and the windshield break and everything. Totally choreographed. Uh, they had this. Uh, I cannot remember the name of the uh, the person who was doing it, but they actually they talked about it and everything. But the key is that Piper knows how to play off of you know what a, a proper reaction is to a punch or a proper reaction to being uh, shot, you know, hit or need in places you shouldn't be. But um, he he knew he was able to play that, and it worked. And I mean, you think about it, even then, it's still crazy. But anybody else who would have played this movie, uh, anybody else, I don't think it would have worked. If you had a Schwarzenegger or uh, Stallone from the time, Hulk Hogan. or Chuck, no, not Hulk Chuck Hogan. Brothers. <laughs> not be able to play it off as the everyman because I don't think they would have They would have let their egos get in front. They'd have to know what's going on and take charge, whatever. And you don't feel that with him. You feel like he's being kind of drawn in, even to the conclusion, which I'm not going to say anything about right now. It's not like he planned to do it. In fact, I think his last words were all, oh, fuck it. Uh, like, okay, Cause I might as well. The, yeah, because he's the scrapper, you know? And he, Even from, from his WWF days, he's the scrapper. Like, he is the dude that you want in that bar brawl. When you get in trouble at the bar, yeah, you want him to come out with his little bat and, and, and come get, you know, get you some help. He gets into uh, he gets kind of sucked into it. It's not like he's intended yeah. to do something. He's just kind of like he gets to a place and he's sucked into the whatever's happening. So he's yeah, like... things, but it's okay in this case because it works. Because it's like it's too big for him. I mean, if you think about it, the whole situation is way too big. It's not like a single person's going to do anything. And even in the right. end, maybe nothing ever got accomplished. It could still be you know status quo after that. You don't know. Yeah, I right? feel like any of the others would have been a little bit too badass. Josh, and that's that, not, Josh, quite honestly, yeah. Josh, real quick improv, okay? You ready? You ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ric Flair as Nada when he finds when he sees the aliens for the first time with the glasses. Ric Flair as Nada when he sees the aliens with, yeah. for the first time with the glasses, and you, and you just want to put me on the spot like this, mm-hmm. okay? Um, well, writing a giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> All 
gotta do it. I gotta do it right. <laughs> okay, uh, my my uh, flare's not what it used to be. So, and let's see. Um, woo! That's an ugly brother. I don't know what to make of all this. Where's my limo? <laughs> Nailed it! <laughs> I told you the lovely Miss Elizabeth and I are going to take these alien guys out one by one and we're going to tear them to shreds. Oh, yeah! Yeah, um... Now, that, 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 that dude was my favorite um, back in the day. I had, like, a, a, a bit of a comeback renaissance with, uh, with wrestling uh, because when I was growing up, when I was... Uh, I think... In middle school is when I really was a, a first-time wrestling fan back when there were crossovers with, like, Mr. T and all, all the old grades. You're talking Sergeant Slaughter and Iron Sheik and just every one of those those guys was, you know, uh, just so fantastic to me. And, uh, you know, so... Um, when, when when you talk about now, the guys that are out now, you know, I have my favorites from now, but I'll always remember the old school. And um, and I like I said, I feel like just being a wrestler, having that experience behind him, um, you know, for it, without I don't know what kind of improv classes he took before going for the big screen role, but. I mean, at the, at the very least, he had that in-the-moment vibe um, and that everyman vibe. Like, he's the everyman, and maybe he's not the sharpest tool in the box, but once he puts two and two together and you're coming for him, yeah, you better watch out because then that's when he's going to scrap with you. Right. So he right. carried it off. Unless you're a cute redhead, in which case he turns his back to you and gets smashed through a window three stories well, up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. All right. So how bets are off? All right. I want to. I want to. Um, we're going to get into that, but I, I want to just quickly go through the cast. The great Keith David is oh, in man. this movie, uh, and Keith David uh, during that time. During that time, Keith David was on a roll with his movies. He's been in some straight up classics with. Um, he did other thing. He did Men at Work, which I love that movie. We're gonna talk about it on Film Freaks, uh, and um, he's just done a, a bunch of great movies uh, up till now. He still work. He's a working actor. He was in uh, Mark for Death, which is uh, uh, the best uh, Steven Seagal movie, I think. Uh, <laughs> but um, right, right. <laughs> but uh, we should do that on one of the seasons. Uh, I don't know if it was that pre nineteen ninety. I can't remember. I don't remember. But anyway, so uh, Keith David, great. And then, uh, oh, Dr. Amira. What's up, Dr. Amira? Um, and then Meg Foster, who is the redhead you were referencing, um, who I remember her. Didn't she play like a robot on, um, what's that movie where she played like a robot? Uh, Cherry 2000 or something like that. Uh, actually, let me Meg Foster, she's been all over the place. Oh, yeah. yeah. She was in Magic of the Universe at one point. Yeah, she, uh, yeah, she, man, here's, let me pull her I was I'm just flipping through her. Kirstie Alley. Kirstie Alley. I, you know what, I can see it with the blue eyes and everything, but yeah, she definitely isn't uh, Kirstie Alley. 
but she looks good as a zombie there. Or is that just what she looks like without makeup these days? Oh, it's cool. <laughs> I know, I know. That's look, she makes good money as an actress. If she can't take it, don't yeah. be in the limelight. She has the uh the the eyes though. That was her, her thing. Yeah, those eyes are really freaky looking. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. But, yeah. but uh, yeah, I love how guys um I love how guys have this uh this certain uh you know, aura that makes them distinguished as they get older. But for us females, uh, well, without, I've decided to show up to work without my makeup on today. So, yep, today I'm a zombie. Sure. <laughs> Come on, I guys. There's a difference. I'm being specific. You're I, killing I help, guys. I help if I age really nicely. Oh, yeah, re- remind me to uh, tell my neck waddle to uh, stay the hell away then uh, uh, as I to my career. Uh, you see, I, I grew a beard to cover mine and then got fat too. Well, so you know, if I if I was brave enough, you know, and that much about it, I, uh, you know, I'd have grown a beard too. Um, you know, but see, I just, I don't, I don't have it in you're locked. You're locked into a beauty problem, and so you're not allowed to, unfortunately. <laughs> but it, it, this is very handy. Uh, Trust me, it's handy to hide a lot of defects. And that's why I do it. Just like you know, I mean, it just it's patchy. It doesn't it doesn't grow in you know evenly at all. You gotta give it time. Give it time. Then you know, unfortunately, <laughs> or get a, a face get a face merkin, okay. you know, just to cover up the spots. Girl look, girl look like a zombie now. But anyway, uh, I will say this. Um, uh, I want to go back to Keith David's character. It was named Frank yes. Armitage. And the reason why I bring that up is because the screenplay was written by uh, Frank Armitage, who is really John, Tra- John Travolta. I'm sorry. John. He's really John Travolta? Wow. So, so okay. Frank was supposed to be John Travolta? Uh, uh, no, John Carpenter. Oh Even I didn't know that. Wow. John Carpenter... Uh, oh. Used that as his name, uh, the name that he took credit for right in the film. Um, uh, I forgot. Do you remember exactly why? There was a reason for it. Uh, why he chose to, instead of cre- crediting himself as John Carpenter, he did Frank Armitage instead. Uh, I totally forgot that story. Uh, I don't know. I, I, could it be that he wasn't part of the Screen uh, Writers Guild or some nonsense like that? No. Was it, it was, sort uh, of a workaround or something? Or no, was there a strike at the time? No, I, can't I think it was some sort of. Uh, I think it was kind of a double trip. paycheck. Something to some. I forgot how. It was. No. <laughs> immigration scam. I forgot actually. You know what? I knew the story, and I think it was in my head. And then as I started talking about it, it just you realized you were faking I, the whole thing. I'm getting old. I'm turning. Into, I'm turning into a zombie. <laughs> I, 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 was thinking, I realized I'm just making this stuff. Up. I'm, I'm turning into a zombie like uh, Meg Foster. <laughs> Poor Meg Foster. I know. How we, we dare you, you. that poor you, woman? Who started that nonsense? We, le- we love you, Meg. We love you. Uh, no, no, no. But uh, okay, so I'm working in a woman in Hollywood. Tell you that much. Yeah, yeah. No, she's she's still killing. But yeah. anyway, I think wasn't she in his, one his of our name, movies? Frank Armitage. Frank Armitage was the was he was named after the uh, the background animator, the background animator at Disney. Right. That. that that's why he. That, that's what he used. He no, used that's what that. he used. But I, I forgot the reasoning though. There was a. He talked <clears throat> about it. I seen an interview like a while ago where he talked about why he did that. 
and it escapes me. But anyway, just you can do the research. It's out there. Um, okay, so let's get into this movie. Like, let's get into a nuts and bolts. Okay, and um, as you can see, I'm excited to talk about it. Oh, oh, sorry, I got the answer for you. Sorry, I just looked it up. Okay, he didn't want to look like a uh, fathead and being a bragger, like I'm the producer, director, and writer of They Live. So he gave a pseudonym to himself. It's as simple as that. Dang, I'm I'm a fathead because I want all my credits. <laughs> yeah, but at least then you know we can sit there and go. Okay, hey. now we know what we're getting into with that many names um, of the same producer, directed by, written by, starring in. Uh, do that. Because you know why? Because then, you know, but if I do something that sucks, any failure, you can say it's yeah, it's the writer, director, and stars' fault. And you're like, if I do something that if I do something that sucks, then my uh, my name is Joshua Chitty. So that's what I put as uh <laughs> come on, Sam. What? I'd be, I'd be like uh I'd be like that's 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 who wrote it was uh Joshua. That's my... that explains where all those checks came from. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. One cent, thirty-five cents. Oh, not bad oh, for man. a good year annual. You day. tell him, Josh. You tell him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't that, take no guff Mir- off of him. Dr. Mir is like, I want all my credits. That yeah. All right, so here we go. Yes. So we kind of a little. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, we did. Little, little, right. little. So one thing, little. one thing that you know, this film we we've talked about is really talking about what was going on at the time, and what you know we can equate it to what's going on right now. And one thing that he really wanted to focus on, that being uh, John Carpenter, was this idea of the working homeless poor. Yeah. Uh, that these people were not lazy bums. That they actually no. worked hard. They worked on construction sites, <laughs> you know. Which is, if you ever worked a construction site, it's the hardest work ever, you know. So, um, so they weren't bums. They were really working hard, and it was mm-hmm. just, it, and it really was showing you, like in the very beginning, when he's, when he's uh, meeting with the, uh, trying to get employment, and the employment officer is just giving her the, you know, she was, oh my god, I've, I've had moments like that with people like her. They can, they can control mm-hmm. your destiny, and they just are like, you know, they're, yeah. they're doing it for and so you know long. what? She was she was noticeably uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Actually, if you real if you really look at her body language, mm-hmm. she was there. It wasn't so much that she didn't care. I felt like she knew that there was already a limit of the amount of jobs available. Mm-hmm. And a part of her seemed like she kind of felt bad for this guy. Like, dude, I know you knew in town, but um, hate to break it to you, but ain't nothing available. You know, Mm -hmm. it was less judgmental of her to say, like, I feel like it would have taken a different tone had she looked him up and down and scrutinized how he was dressed and how plainly he was dressed. And, you know, oh, like, oh, I could pick him out. He's homeless. Like, we don't need to send him out, you know, and damage our reputation of our agency sending him out on a job. It was much more like she could hardly meet his eyes because she was uncomfortable (laughs) with the fact that really there was nothing much that she could do or she felt that she could do for him. And I find that, um, you know, for those that work at those desks, um, I don't know how folks do it um, because there's uh, there, there's 
there's only so much that you can do as an agency worker when nothing comes across your desk or, or all the jobs are taken up or, you know what I mean? Like, I felt like she was, uh, she, she felt badly um, to a certain extent and she was just uncomfortable with the whole situation. That's what her body language told me. You have to understand there was a film before this uh, where you see her past story where she was bright and energetic and ready to take on the world. And then she kind of got dragged down by all the number of people coming and the lack of jobs and became that. Which mm-hmm. you see on the screen right there. Listen, so yeah, you're she's missing probably one of them. Capable. No, she's, she's not. Probably, no, 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 no. Nah, I don't no. get that sense at all. She's doing I mean, a she, drone she job. There. Yeah, that's right. She's doing a drone. Oh, you mean because she's not rich and famous. Although, although she does have, I mean, if you see her wrist, she does have the little gold watch there. But I still feel like, um, you know, she she's just she's spilling a seat. No, you look. She's got a cheap watch on one side and a gold thing on the other. Yeah, like that's costume jewelry. That's just you know crap. That's probably not even real gold. Yeah, it's costume jewelry. It's green under that. I swear. But that's the thing. Like, if you look, all the aliens, there's two things you'll notice about the aliens. A, they're either, they're in positions of power. Either mm-hmm. the police, or you see them as, you know. Or they're well-to-do. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're well-to-do, right? And you don't see yep. the drones. And they're all white. There's not a single alien that's taking on the form of any other ethnicity except for white. So they're yeah, all what about the guy at the end? What guy at the end? It, the the guy the alien at the end? Yeah. We don't see what he looks like before, and he's got pretty much straight hair. Oh, okay, we don't. Yeah, see that. No, true. No. Although I kind of felt like um, maybe the guards, if anyone remembers the guards that um, oh, and don't even get me started on my favorite props for this film, but oh, I we'll, we'll dive into that. Well, I'm sure, but uh, but I, I, I felt like at least one of the guards may no. have passed for for Latino. Uh, um, possibly, I, I I was watching it today, so I'm like watching this and going, okay, what can? Well, so have I not noticed because I've seen it a hundred times. So I'm looking at it and going, okay, wait, huh? These guys are all white. Like, okay, mm, interesting because you look, uh, it's a the the cast of all of the people who are poor and everything. It's a pretty diverse group of people, right? And so you kind of look at it and. The reality is that um, Shantytown, or, or whatever you want to call it, uh, that they were filming in, was a real one. And all the people in the background that were extras were people that were living there at the time, and Carpenter just paid them for their wow. time. Wow. So th- those people were really uh, homeless, you know, people, you know, living on the edge, uh, trying to get a living and what have you. So, and that was the reality of that time. You know, so... Oh. But yeah, so I mean, whether that's deliberate or not, I, I I don't know, but it sure seemed that way. I think I think it was a deliberate choice because I'm trying to think through my head. Anybody, like you said, there might have been one guard that looked sort of Latino, but even then, I don't recall that. But and they were all like, like even the cops. There was like the one cop that the he well, it was human yeah. shoot at was a schlubby guy with bald hair, and you saw this guy. He's older than a beat cop should be. And it's like, okay, this guy's not going anywhere with his career. That guy's, he's just a, he's going to be sitting in that cruiser for the rest of his life. He's going to retire and never get to detective or anything else of any prestige. Whereas everybody else keeps moving up. 
So yeah, it's it's an interesting. Fi- I like I, I do love this film a lot. There's a lot of those moments, and the neat thing uh, that moment where he he's wearing the glasses for the first time. He sees that old lady there. She's talking about the Lamaze class, and she's got the one woman the older woman handing her the groceries and then you had the the maid beside her and both women are kind of staring off into space almost as if they are asleep and it's that horrible thing where you see this woman is just ah I'm living the life and these people are just they're just you know dragged down and they're just doing a menial job and there's no future for them and everything and it's like ah oh, that's kind of scary and depressing and that's what this film is really good at showing that you mm. know, like Piper at one point says, you know, because he's talking to him and he says, well, you know, I believe in America. I, I mean, I, I'm going to work hard and then I'll make my way up. That's sort of the idea of the American dream, right? That all you got to do is work hard and you can make, yourself, you know, make yourself into something. And it's like, well, that's not happening. You can work as hard as you right. want, work yourself to death and you may never go anywhere. And is it because so, you're a failure? We're being told that, but that's not the case. Right. So, let, I mean, if we can, no. <clears throat> I would really like to know uh what you guys think about why is this a good entry into cinema du fromage we've talked about this movie now and we've given it political importance we've given it socioeconomic importance we've given it artistic you know kudos we've given it directorial awesomeness what makes it cinema du fromage worthy okay it's a good question it's a valid question and it's one I wrestled with when I picked it. And I said, the reason I picked this was because despite it all, there is some pretty ham-handed acting. There is uh, some questionable effects. There are uh, the alien design, as interesting as it is, doesn't work. I mean, how can you talk when you know how you lit? It's a good, good question. It's a valid question. It's one I wrestled with. <laughs> I definitely do need to see a reboot of so I will say that. But you know what? Because of that techno- te- technological factor yeah. uh, that I'm sure that they were doing their best to work with as an indie film oh, yeah. back then, back yeah. in the day. Absolutely. Now that there's way better, you know, uh, graphics and, and makeup art- artistry that can be done these days, I feel like, of all the, the ridiculous reboots that I've seen in the past decade, I would really have loved to see this gotten rebooted before uh, any of that. I will disagree with you for <laughs> one reason and one reason alone. They will okay. get it completely wrong. They will say this is about governments taking over and everything. And they will have completely missed the point because, well, A, the people who are going to bring you that film are going to be a big corporation who are not going to sit there and say corporations are evil. Just some mm-hmm. actors are evil. This movie says all the people that are in control are not looking after your best interest. Well, well I'll tell you what. Everything away from you and leave you with nothing. I, I will say um, to your point, as long as the reboot is indie. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Because but, if it's but, big but box office, I, then I totally agree with you. They're gonna fuck it up. Uh, but, but wait a minute! But wait a minute! If, wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! If if the movie's charm, and and I wrestle with this a lot, especially because I watch so much so much mystery science theater, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if the movie's charm to us now is that it is cinema du fromage worthy, then how do you reboot something? that has such a serious 
undertone to it and still give it levity. And I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm saying that that seems like a perilous place to put a film. I mean, this way it's, it's not good me. already. And then oh, ask yeah. to okay. also pretend that there's levity involved. The quick answer to that is that it's been done already. There's been precedent with other reboots. Um, Fright Night, for example, comes to mind um, as one of a bajillion where you can argue that the uh, more serious undertone of that is date rape, um, you know, uh, any amount of misogyny. Um, you know, there's certain things there that are very sensitive topics even now. Um, whereas back then it was kind of like, oh, damsel in distress. No, dude, date rape. Um, so uh, there, there's certain things that when you reboot them in the interest of updating the, the narrative to match what's going on right now in the zeitgeist, I don't see any, any, any problem with doing that. However, again, the point being... If you're going to do it right without too much, um, like, interference with the message, leave it out of the big box office and leave it indie. Yeah. Um, because there's just there's too many things that I've seen over the past 10 years that, oh, well, and <laughs> sorry, we're not sponsored by Disney, so they probably won't mind me speaking against them, but... Disney, if you take over one more property, I'm going to rip my hair out. Oh, God. Well, I hate to <laughs> like, tell you this. No, Disney, please. Disney is the aliens in this movie. They will own everything. They will own oh, everything, gosh. everything. See, that's what I'm thinking. That's exactly um, what I'm thinking. But if you, if you, if you have, and, um, and, you know, if you leave it in the, even if you had a big director that still stayed away from major studios for a minute. Like, I, I would love Googler or, you know what I mean? Like, some of the modern day, like, started out straight up indie directors. Even Quentin Tarantino, I would love to have him take a shot at this. Put it that way. And he's big name now. Yeah. But you know for a fact, all every one of his movies, even big box, box office or no, was meant to be cheesy. Are you kidding? That's That's like his that's a call card, mm -hmm. you know? So it, it can be done, but I would lean towards, yeah, get it, get somebody in there that is indie based, you know, born and raised before you hand it off to anybody big box. Well, so. I, I, I'll say this. And, um, the way that I think about, I've actually for years thought maybe this would be a good candidate for being, um, being redone and the reason why I'm starting to go the other way is the charm of this film I don't know could be replicated and right. so the natural thing be would be, be it won't work it'll the, be heavy. The, the natural thing to do would be to this is what Hollywood would do whether it's indie or not is to play up on the action part so it'd be probably it probably will be more actiony yeah, which It'll, this film wasn't really that much action. -y. Like a hallway in a room. Right. And, couple, you know, and then they'll probably, it probably will have a happier ending. We won't get to the ending just right now. Um, and because uh, then you got to have a sequel. So, you know, like if this does well. So I don't know. I don't know. 
that I mean, so I don't know about that either because now in the era of um, you know Jordan Peele, I mean, there were two endings to Get Out, so <laughs> I mean, and it's still sequel worthy uh, either way, in my humble opinion. Well, I mean, I don't um, I, honestly, I don't, I don't know that if I. Uh... I, I hope it's not because I think it's yeah. a great standalone film on its own. Yeah, you know. What? I think but it, in, yeah, but it, it doesn't need a sequel. But yeah, but I, I I think it would. I think the impact of the film would be lessened if you did a sequel. And I think the same with this: a remake would water it down. I think this movie was done at the right time, the right place, in the right way. It's it is cheesy. The, the way it comes across is it's done as a a hokey B movie science fiction, bad alien taking over the planet kind of right. story is what it is. And that's the core of this film is it's, I mean, or at least the, the outer core, uh, outer core, the, the surface of the film is bad aliens from a B movie have taken over the planet. And this guy figures it out. And what do you do then? And that's all this film starts off as now, everything that they're talking about sociologically and everything like that, that's the beautiful center of the film. Right. Despite everything that can be a little bit inept at times and a bit odd. I mean, it's not John Carpenter's best film. I love it. I'm not knocking it. It's definitely not. It's not the thing where you, that is probably John Carpenter's best film, period, full stop. Uh, and you may agree or disagree with me, but. Disagree. Uh, strong. You disagree? Ghost of Mars. Not just playing. Oh, yeah. I think. <laughs> I think. <laughs> well, I think you touched upon, you know, the cheesier element yeah. of the film. Honestly, the dialogue. I think yeah. this movie's more important. I think the this movie's more is... important though than the thing. Yeah, true. No. Sure. Look, but, like, the, but you know what's the... funny though? John Carpenter's had a bunch of his movies remade from Halloween to yeah, and, uh and... what was it, the taking of no wait, not take no no, what was it? Are uh, they gonna try to remake Big Trouble in Little China? They should. Should uh, not. Yeah, I mean, why not? It's a problematic film to start with. I mean, I like. Yeah, it, but but I'm but just saying. Like, I, I sit there and I go. But, wait, yeah, wait, I shouldn't. My, like my point this. is that he didn't make the mist, the fog, the was, the frogs, the whatever. All these movies that he done did right. Mm-hmm. And honestly, uh, I I would say that this might be the, the one. Fog? This th- yeah, this might be the one. I don't know about redoing it. But you know what? If they redid it, I'd watch it. So what is well, that? I think everybody would because they're a fan of the film. I guess I'm see a how it turns out. I'm a whore. But, but I'll but, tell you, I, it, but let's I don't talk, think you can make it work. Let's talk about this. I'd, I'd be more, I'd be morbidly curious just to see, yeah. uh, you know, if they, if they redid it right. Wait, let's, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's talk about this real quick. Cause we okay, gotta get back, okay. we gotta get back into the oh. Don't turn your back on somebody you've just kidnapped. Jeez. That's <laughs> Hilarious. So, yeah, and and there's one of the like I was talking about the fight scene before and how it was kind of a visceral fight scene and the punches felt like they were real punches and the people were in real pain and then he falls out of a three story building through a glass wall and then gets up and kind of like oh well that was painful and off he goes I freaking loved I it I thought he did by that point but I loved it though because it was so stupid <laughs> like, oh, yeah <laughs> and the fact he says he turns his back on it he's like. At, what bothers me the most with his character, and this is why I say he's a stupid character, is when he goes to the movie, uh, the studio. Uh, we get, I'll say spoiler right now a bit. When he gets into the studio, he starts looking for her. 
it's obvious to anyone who's seen uh, watched the film up to that point that uh, that person's questionable. A, she threw him out of three story building, so you know that's you know they're not friends there. So it's not like there's some sort of connection between the two. But the second part is she shows up out of the blue and then something happens and it's like, wait a minute. Come on. No, but see, you're, well, on. you're good, on, good on you that you are, you are approaching it with a modern day man uh, enlightenment about not only male characters can have moxie and be dangerous and oh yeah, watch out for the bitch because the bitch can get you just as much as another man can. But you have to understand it, even though it's not so far back in the day, it's far enough back in the day where obviously they were trying to, you know, play up that his character, you know, was the one that wanted to save the damsel in distress and, you know, <laughs> they wanted to play up the, the love interest uh, you know, and that's because I have a different take on this. Okay, okay. go ahead. Go okay, ahead. so we know that he has been wandering around for a long time, right? Not showering, by the way, and so not showering. That's true. What that that actually plays perfectly. That guy must stink. So uh, the the real question is not whether he thinks he's going to, you know, rescue the damsel in distress. The real question is, when was the last time that he actually got laid? And is well, that actually his motivation? Because I, yeah, he's wearing the wedding ring, ring too. That is, yeah, that's what I was saying. Who was wearing the wedding ring? Oh, he was wearing a wedding ring? Yes, yes, he was. And I noticed it when he's speaking with Keith David, and Keith David is talking to him about how he has a wife and two kids back home. And then I looked and I said, oh, but wait. Not wearing a wedding ring. Piper's character has a wedding ring too. So if we're wondering about what his what his origins are, you never really hear about that. And the fact that he falls for this woman that he kidnaps, like that actually brought up a lot of questions, like a lot of weird questions in my mind about okay, where's his lady at and what's she doing and did he kidnap her and that's how he married her? <laughs> you know, like what's going on? It just goes oh, from state wait a minute, to state, wait kidnapping a women and burying them. It's, wait, wait it's a, a love minute. story. Wait a minute. You haven't fallen in love, guys, with women you've kidnapped? I usually don't. <laughs> I, I don't need to kidnap women to get them to like me. I'm sorry. I'm like, don't you I'm sorry. Sorry. Don't you miss that? You know what? You know what? what? They're grown women, so we'll say grown win- women napped. <laughs> How about that? Is that better? Is that better? Okay, speaking so. Of his, sorry, hold on. It's just I want to interject to something. Uh, speaking of his backstory. This is uh, from the thing. John Carpenter said to uh, Piper, come up with a backstory for your character and don't tell me about it. And so and so Piper apparently came up with the whole idea of a backstory for his character and has a whole story in his head and never revealed it. And John Carpenter never was told what it was. And so I guess it because he was trying to he was trying to get Piper to act. And apparently that he was spent the time with him and worked hard like um, you know, Carpenter at least is an actor's director. He'll go and work with the the actor to get a performance out of him. I think he did a good job with Piper because I've seen him in other stuff. Piper did other stuff, and it's uh, it's Piper the wrestler trying to be an actor. In this, yeah. he's 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 a bit better, and I think it's because the director was working hard with him, and he was working with the director, and they came up with this whole thing. And I think the backstory thing might have helped him too. 
because it gave him sort of a cushion going, okay, this is my backstory, so how I react to that is based on this. And I think that helps. So, um, but yeah, so he does have a backstory. Nobody on the planet knows it because he's gone now. So, yeah. But I think, and that adds to his mystique because you do, when you watch him, you go, there is something going on. There's something has happened to his past, but I don't know what it is. So, but anyway. yeah, so, you know what? What put him on the road in the first place? Um, he, yeah, you know, and then again, him. when I saw his wedding ring, when I saw his wedding ring, I'm like, okay, so he's married. So my idea that he just didn't get enough sex is just not good enough. But I am actually feeling a little bit um, uh, cheated here. I think that's a perfectly good motivation. And I'm sure that if we could ask him, he'd probably go, yeah, sure, that sounds good. Okay. Well, if you got a Ouija board, if you got a Ouija board, we can find out. If you got a Ouija board, we can. Uh, I said if we could ask him. I think, get a Ouija I think there's something important to remember when it comes to Roddy and this role. Uh, the, the story that we kind of see um, coming out <laughs> is basically his true life story. Because he's been alone since he was a kid. He's been a drifter most of his life. Even even when it comes to wrestling, you know, you're drifting from territory to territory. Yeah. Um, the, but so, yeah, it's, it's essentially his life. Uh, he grew up um, having to fight and get tough and to, to live, essentially. And it only made sense wow. that, you know, he would get into a business like pro wrestling because... Traveling and fighting is what he's used to. So to hear that, you know, he was told, you know what? Um, come up with the backstory for Nada. Uh, and, and it only made sense that he would connect with it so well because it's him. Yeah. I mean, I, when you watch him, he's really, he's good in this role. I, I mean, yeah, cheesy lines aside, and he's not the greatest actor. He's not emoting the best thing. But he's he does a really good job in this film in that you a you like him b you think there's something going on it's not like some guy reading lines like you know you can see some act people who are going to become actors who are just not there and you're just watching a guy saying lines he wasn't doing that he there was something behind there was a bit of emotion in there and uh, I think there was one bit of backstory we were hearing from him where he's talking about his father trying to cut him or something like that yeah which was yeah. Really dark. I mean, I'm like, like, he's talking away. I'm like, going, okay, I'm in the room with this guy after getting to this fight, and I've seen this about the world, and he's talking like this. It's like, I don't know if it's a safe place to be right now because this guy's kind of uh, really damaged. I mean, really yeah, that's damaged. one of the that's one of a few times in the movie. Like I said, that I was like, was that in the script or was he just like riffing? You know what I mean? Like he, for for whatever he lacked in formal acting chops. Yeah, he, he had, had moments. that he had that relatability that was frankly surprising, and it was it was that that was what he brought to the table. And I like to see what it developed. I want to um, point out something that Mafuni wrote in the chat room, and that's one hundred percent true. That Pi- Piper originated. I've come here to chew bubble yes. and kick ass. Yes, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. That was him. Carpenter asked him for some lines, and he said he had a book of stuff that he was using for his you know wrestling stuff where because he had to have lines to say to you know insult people or uh, something to be memorable and carpenter saw that particular line and said yeah i like that we got to use it and yeah that's 100 percent piper 
100%. Now, um, and the legacy of that line lives on. Yeah. <laughs> I still hear it quoted. But sometimes I've heard then, it, you know? I thought it was from Duke Nukem. It's like, no, no, Piper originated that. Duke Nukem stole oh, it from it. Right. Okay, so now let me say this. One of the, the, the things in this is that there are human collaborators. So yes. some, some humans uh, have taken the, um, the uh, what, what did you call it earlier when, in our pre-chat from um, The Matrix? Uh, the Red Pill? No, 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 like no. the Sentinel? No, 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 because the... uh, Joe Pondiano or whatever how you say his name, uh, he, he, he wants to, uh, you know, he, in The Matrix, he turns on everybody and all that. Yeah. Anyway, some, one, but, yeah, I understood. Look, as I said then, I understand his okay, way of we're, doing we're, things. We're gonna get to that. Not these people. We're gonna get Not, to that. So, yeah. so let me uh, pull up on screen. So that's one of the traitors. He was yeah. homeless in the beginning, and now Josh doesn't. And, and now he is uh, uh, rich and famous and powerful and whatever. Yeah. Uh, it was really a quick turnaround. They must. They. I they, think they, it. Was, I think that raid that happened in the place was because of him. Okay, so, I think he was seeing these things coming on the TV and put two and two together and decided to rat out everybody. Okay, so, I think that's how it happened. So, um, and they pay out fast because he was homeless just what a day or two before, and now yeah. he's living the life. So, my question is, we're gonna work. We're gonna work around the room, starting off with Josh. The aliens, aliens come to you, and they say, Joshua, we're going to take this motherfucker over. So you can either continue your life broke or we're going to give you this fancy watch where you can travel at the blink of an eye and we're going to give you all this money and all of this wealth. Are you taking the alien? Are you going to take the alien um, payout? So I can be rich and basically everything seems normal on Earth, but I'll know that it's not the case. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or I can be not that and still know that all this evil stuff is going on. Right. Huh. And you probably. You know what? I guess give me the money. Right. Because you probably will die uh, if you don't take the deal, right? Say, be rich or be dead. I guess I'll take the money. trying to talk me into it I, I suppose after a, a couple of seconds and minutes um, <laughs> no I'm just going to take the money man is there a question here yeah. oh, dear all right okay so, Jen what about you are you taking the money from aliens no no so you'll you no. it's death instead um, I'm, yeah yeah I don't want to live that way that's gross no thanks Okay. What about you, Chair? Um, uh, listen, I know for a fact that no matter how little I feel that I could lend to the resistance being alive, I sure as hell couldn't lend much to the resistance being dead. You know what I would do? Give me my money. And then what I'd do, I'd fund the resistance with it. Oh, okay. Unless they were, oh, the unless they were tracking me with that little watch. Uh, Unless they were tracking me with that little watch, uh, hell yeah, I'd be like sneaking in and out, uh, like infiltrating the co- the complex, like like every minute I could, I could, 
I, I mean, you give me a watch that I could dip in and out of some place, no trace behind. Oh, please. I would I would use all of that. I would fund the resistance. Mm-hmm. I would be using my little teleport watch in and out of their little complex, getting secrets and stuff. Well, I'll make it work. Mm-hmm. I'll make it work. Okay. What about you, King? You taking the- Okay. I'm going to be a downer here on this whole thing because I see what they were talking about in this film. So these people are, and it's said in the film, they're treating the planet like a third world country. They're basically stripping of its resources. So think of Africa in the 19th century Mm -hmm. when these European powers are controlling it and strip mining and everything. You could be, your choices to join them and help pillage your country and destroy its economics for their wealth and you get to be the big guy there or you fight against that and try to you know do what's right um and if i were to ask you hey would you join a a company that uh discriminates against people or does something that is evil because you're getting money would you say the same thing hey give me my money maybe i can change things i don't know I'm going to say no. I'm going to say, and this is my this is the difference between Matrix. Matrix, I would I would say definitely, yeah, I'm going to live in the Matrix because the reality is garbage. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, the reality of that movie is that these people are going to strip the planet dry and then leave. So you get to sit there and get, and remember, the money that these guys are holding are just pieces of paper that say this is your God. Money yeah. is not real in that in this world. The wealth that they're given is basically here's your trinkets and tokens to make yourself feel good. You can wear a suit, you can own a nice house and everything fine. But in the end, when the planet's completely stripped and they're gone, you're living in a desert, you know, dying husk of a planet. And you've well, got and all that stuff you had for that brief time. Eh, no, it's not well, worth they it. Do, they do give you the option, at least we saw, right, of possibly interdimensional travel. Uh, uh, okay. I'm going to say one thing to serve man. That's uh, a cookbook. It's a cookbook. That's all I'm going to say. It's a cookbook. Now, I think that those people are going off. You're never going to see those people again. Because as I said, at one well, point, so I was like, we don't know what we are, are, but we're probably cattle to these people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. that's why I said no. That's why I said no. Uh, especially the, uh, now I'll tell you what struck me uh, as one of my favorite props of the film was how they were speaking through words. And uh, now I realize that some of the original creators of uh, Walking Dead must have really loved John Carpenter because it was very similar to some of the messaging that you see all throughout that series. And then I said, oh, I wonder if this is where they got that concept from. Um, And one of the phrases that struck me most was, marry and reproduce i was like oh i mean that just that kind of like struck me to my soul like oh like um talk about uh i mean it's just it's this weird combination of slavery and genocide like all mashed together it just it's it's, it's, it gave me chills it's capitalism baby this is this is what it's about Get as much as you can out of what you can, scoop up all the wealth you can, and then walk away because it doesn't matter afterwards. All you care about is getting that wealth and accumulating uh, well, the wealth. You guys, and- no, I will tell you, 
I will say one thing though, King, as nihilistic as you prefer to go with that, uh, with with your opinion, um, and we are all welcome to ours. I submit to you that while the vast majority of the human humans would still have that shield over their eyes and are still working at a certain level, I still stand by my choice to um, take the money up front because that's the that's the the, the system, the structure that the vast majority of my fellow humans are they know to work with. But the moment yeah, that the moment that, that satellite went down, oh, it's it's off like that's like that's the problem. Oh, that's off at that point. At the uh, end, I don't think anything changed after that happened. I see, think it's that, yeah, that's I mean, I know that chick in the end uh, probably got off that guy real quick. Yeah, I know yeah, that. Like, or um, had a heart attack and died. I don't that's know. But, that's exactly what I was going to say, Ray. I think that if you watch this movie and you really are paying attention, it's so deeply cynical that it, that there is absolutely no way that you can walk away from it thinking, oh yeah, well, there's now there's going to be hope for humanity just because they've exposed whatever they've exposed. It's not like that. It's, it, it is absolutely, there is this dark cynicism that's involved that says, no, look, people will always choose to screw over other people rather than suffer themselves. And that was the whole point of the homeless guy was he didn't want to suffer. He wanted to be out of it. And I, I mean, I'm not saying I don't understand why. Of course I understand why. But, but people will always screw over other people. And that's why once you take the money, you become part of the problem instead of part of the solution. And, and every time I hear somebody say that they're going to altruistically do something, that's, I think, at the heart also of why it is that in the movie we don't see anything like uh, the resistance infiltrating. Or they can't because it just corrupts you. Yeah, it's easier to be infiltrated because it's easier to suck people into here. I'm going to give you some wealth. Now to keep that wealth, these guys are trying to screw what we've got going on. So you got to go and stomp down on them. It's a, it's a, it's, I'm going to get into politics the way it is today, but it's a systematic thing. What, what they've created. Imagine now, how are they going to change the system they have in that world? They have no control at all over anything in that yeah. world. Got no control. They are at the bottom, and they're now they've seen what what's really going on. So the veil's been lifted. So they see what's going on. Now what? Either they go to the streets and riot and pick up guns and become violent and try a violent revolution and drive these people off, or what? I mean, the system is already well, in place. I'll, I'll say I'll say this though: if. Well, I, I'll tell you what, though. I believe that if there was truly no hope, uh, at least in this movie, of anyone uh, truly carrying forth the total resistance at that point, yeah. I feel like the folks that gathered and the the grassroots movement that was trying to hand out, you know, um, contact lenses and, and, and shades and everything to help wake people up, I feel like that wouldn't have 
been uh, so uh, wouldn't have been a point that was emphasized so far into the movie. But here's the thing: if, if all hope was lost, um, to the thing. Right. if you watch the scene where they're all at the, the place just before it's attacked, and they're talking, it says. We're not getting out enough of these things. We're not getting to enough people. We're having trouble. You have to try to blend in a little more so you're not as obvious. They were already struggling and having trouble. They couldn't get the signal out. They couldn't get anything done because they are at the bottom. I mean, this yep. is a, this, this is an allegory here about being in poverty. Uh, you have no control over the system that controls you. That you can get mad and you can try to overthrow it but you don't have the same resources. Don't forget, this is a species that comes from another planet. I don't think they just have guns and machine guns and everything. They're just using it because they don't want to make themselves obvious. But if they can create portals and everything, they can bring in lasers, they can bring in giant planet killers or whatever, because these guys... Oh, sure. What is mankind going to do in this case? They can sit there and try to uprise, and then these guys will try to liquidate them all and just strip mine the planet. I mean, I, I, like I said, there is there's examples in uh, in you know adjacent genres where the resistance. I mean, yes, Star but Wars, this, anyone? Yes, but you yes, know but, where but, there is this big monolithic, you know, entity. There's a difference, though. There's a difference between they live, which again works off of this premise of deep, sarcastic, almost cynicism. And it's built into the script versus, let's say, Independence Day, which does not have the same. It's got lots of levity and it's got lots of that, you know, us against them kind of feel. But the reason that it's not the uh, they live vibe altogether and ultimately humanity can overcome is because it's not written with the same deep cynicism. It's not written with that sense of. Uh, of our world is so fundamentally broken from the ground up that there isn't any way for us to change it going forward. Independence Day pulls the idea of we can pull it together, we can heal, we can do this, everybody. They live is like, oh, we're already screwed. But let's try and come together and expose as much as we can because maybe that will affect change. The, the the I think underneath it all, it's just not written the same. Well, I, uh, and we're one, talking about and, the movie now. We're not talking one, about real one, life. And one's a, uh, one's right. a, one was a massive hit, and the other one wasn't. But yeah, and that's but, and, uh, I wonder why. Because right. one is saying, "Hey, we can overcome this, and it's okay." Rah rah. It, it's all about all you got to do is just want to fight. It's the myth that everyone's been taught. The the Revolutionary War was all about you know we just fought hard enough because we were really you know good people and we beat off the British. And it's like, yeah, and you had the French and the Spanish giving large amounts of troops, money, and everything else. Uh, sure, I guess, you know, we had other empires trying to crack another empire. I'm sure that had nothing to do with it, but it's, right. it's, that, it's the, the, the stories we like he, to tell. Did it's he like just come from, wait a minute, did he just come from my country? Fight the big system and, and winning. Did, did but the, it doesn't wait a minute, did the Canadian just come from my country? <laughs> no. However, but I, okay, hey, I want the guys who are for the loyalists, and we. I want to just... no. I want to um get. I want to talk about the end real quick yeah. because uh, okay. share spoilers. Share, spoilers. Uh, share is uh, I have I know has to go pretty soon, right? Oh, so we want yes. we want to make sure that that her uh, um her vote will go to her first for, oh, yes. for her vote. Okay. First. But uh, just real quick of uh, the ending, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, spoiler alert if you haven't seen the film, 
if you don't want to be spoiled you may want to be careful about this part at the end they they get to the the cable company which is interesting in a way that the signals being sent out by our media uh which yep. i thought was pretty ingenious and um uh, and the aliens are pretty bad because if a, a shot from like a Glock destroys all their communications. <laughs> well, and that's why I, I don't think that happened. I think that was in that local area. Right, right. But I, I just think that's so funny though. That uh <laughs> but um you find out of course uh Meg Foster's character, uh Holly was uh you know, was on the other team and she, she kills Frank, played by Keith David. And she attempts to try to stop Nada and uh, is killed by Nada. And Nada is, is successful in um, breaking the communication. And then now the world is awakened uh, to the, uh, the reality of the, who their neighbors really are. And I think that the that last part where it's becoming a revelation of what's happening uh, definitely makes this film totally a cinema de fromage film because it's hilarious and it's cheesy and it's well done and it's just amazing. What the hell is happening to your face? And I'm going to try to show it. I think we can get away with showing this much of it. So Yeah, go ahead. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Wait, let me scroll it a little bit so it won't be too long. That's good. Oh, no. You got to go before that. All right, here we go. I'm not going to do the audio, but you can see because uh, uh, Well, no, you need the audio for this bit because there's some hilarious dialogue in there. Yeah. And he crumples so well. Yeah, yeah, bless. It's real I mean, just... Hopefully we, won't get in, hopefully we won't get in trouble. Well, well, we're doing this for a critical review, though, is the reason. And there's the finger to Reagan. That's the finger to Reagan, by the way. Filmmakers like George Romero and John Carpenter. That was Yeah. Oh, now we're starting nudity. Uh, this is not right. Yeah, I forgot. Boobies. Booby alert. Sorry. Hey, what's wrong, baby? Hilarious. Oh, and then also we got to talk about uh, the fact. Oops. Going back to the. Yeah. <laughs> Go back, why don't you? Anyways. Uh, and then also, uh, as he does in a lot of his films, that uh, he um, did the score as well. We got to point that out. So, um, j- all right, just so that we can uh, uh, just briefly talk about this, this scene. Uh, did it work for you guys? Um, I don't see how it couldn't, but did it work for you guys? Uh, how do you like how they, they chose to end this with that montage? Uh, start with you, Josh. You've been quiet for a minute. Well, uh, the ending, of course, it, it worked for me very well. And the reason is it kind of, in a nutshell, got you uh, thinking about what happens next. Uh, by showing the basically the wide ramifications of the actions of you know basically one guy, and sure it was one guy, but you know Nick Um So, w- one of my favorite things to do 
you know, when watching a movie like this is, is wonder what happens next. And uh, I think King could be onto something when he's like, nothing changed. Sorry. I don't mean to ruin it for anybody, but I think that's what happened. <laughs> that's, um, I think, I've lost my train of thought here. Okay. Get, getting that wide, what is wrong with my camera? There we go. We're trying to stop you. <laughs> getting getting the the reactions of people in the world as everything the facade falls is, I think the it was the right way to to end the movie and leave it even then kind of ambiguous, wondering whether or not it's really that big of a deal to the people that were sleeping to to suddenly wake up like this. Uh, no one seemed really too uh, upset at the sudden appearance of these weird things. Except for that one guy yeah. that's like, Karen, Karen, you look like shit, or whatever. Her name is. Well, yeah, like, I, I remember that differently. Um, from what we just saw, I saw that the people in the studio, they were running for their lives. Like, what is happening? Like, why do they look like that? I think you're referring, though, to the bar scene where yeah. people are kind of just curious, like, looking at the one guy, like, why does he look like that? I think um, somehow I think, I think, like, if there had been more of his kind sitting there at the bar, perhaps it would have been less sideshow, like, what what is this guy looking like a circus freak doing versus, like, oh my God, like, we are surrounded by what the hell is going on. You know what I mean? Like, That's I, why, I think, you know, when when Kinte showed us that naked woman a couple times, <laughs> and in that particular uh, instance, she's not freaking out. It, it just seems like... It's shock. The reaction is, oh, this is a thing? <laughs> I mean, okay, and then you can't... But then, then, on top of it, you can't account for whatever acting jobs somebody had because uh, or direction for that matter you you really don't know there's a there's like a whole mixture of layers in there where it's like carpenter may have told her okay honey you're gonna get really scared when you look down at this guy because if you notice she's got her eyes closed when she's riding him She's really not even paying attention. And actually, I like, if it was delivery, the way that she executed it, I like the fact that she had her eyes closed while she was enjoying him. But then she's got that look of shy, like, oh, shit, when she finally opens her eyes, metaphorically, you know, figuratively and, and physically. The, no, the worst part of that scene is she's having sex with him and watching television. Right? Like it's obviously not very good. And it's not porn. Like, okay, if you're gonna have the TV on, folks, friends, if you're gonna have the TV on when you have a set, right? Why didn't you put on porn to help lube it up? You know what I'm saying? Like, what, 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 what's going on, fam? How are you watching the news? I'd be offended. She's watching the damn car commercial while I'm screwing her. Okay. <laughs> you know, Maybe that was okay. Okay, we got we got one minute. Let's go. You know that they were timing it by the commercials. I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I, I feel like this actually it just lends itself into the point that I was trying to make before, which is this is the this is the status quo. This is like the, like the final message of the movie is one that says this is why things won't change because it is so ingrained in who we are. Now, the the, the interesting thing to me, right, and I, and I don't know how to sort of square this circle, is we have Roddy's character who puts on the glasses and sees the world differently and absolutely can't accept it or has a hard time accepting it. And then we have the people at the end of the movie who I feel like are just like, okay, they're just generic people. And those people are the people who have the, the, the response of, okay, that happened. And, and I don't mean to say that like any individual character is not responding properly. I think that's part of the whole, uh, that's part of the whole piece. Does that make sense? Yes. Your, to your point, it makes a lot of sense. And to your point, um, because the tone comes off cynical, what I don't believe is that it is a a a call to um, just simply rest in that belief that really nothing can be done. I feel like, if anything, it is John Carpenter's love letter to society that says, people, we, this is how we're going to end up because we all don't a, a call to friends of mine. Um, you know what I mean? And then, you know, I feel like that is still a call to action, though, because it's, you know, that, that cynical tone that says, well, y'all want to know why the whole world is blowing up and fucking up right now? Here's why. And I feel like still presenting it at all uh, is still that call to action, like, wake up. Like, for example, difference in, in, uh, in director. Spike Lee had, had you know, uh, had the, the message, wake up, you know, at the end of his movie. And that was like literally like audience viewer, wake the fuck up. You know what I mean? So the way that call to action, it can be executed in a number of ways. This is, I feel like John Carpenter's way with his cynicism. You're right. It has a cynical tone to it. I just don't think that, that there is an absence of a call to action um, just because of that. All right, so uh, sorry about that. No, it's very well said because uh, you know th this film has a uh, th this film is just so chocked with so many great things, and that that final montage I think is awesome because you can take so much out of it, and yeah. it could do. And, and sci-fi is really initially supposed to. I mean, sci-fi is supposed to make you think. True sci-fi, mm -hmm. and this yeah. is definitely in that in that um, uh, vein. So. All right, so let, we got to get to the score because uh, Sherry has oh, to get out. I, I one second, just one thought about wow. the ending. Yeah, it should have been in black and white. I thought maybe the the aliens were also putting color into the world, and that the world is actually black and white, or or gray tone, or however you want to put it, and that maybe the colors also were an illusion. That and that's why everything in the past was black and white. All the films and all the pictures. Maybe that was reality before the aliens came. 
Well, we'll get to production quality score in a minute. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. Let's, let's do this. Let's right, figure so out. Let's, who, let's, like, let's, let's uh, have Cher go first. And um, so what I'm going to do <clears throat> is I'm going to put up on the screen, uh, which I should have had already ready. So please forgive me. I didn't, didn't have, have it. Uh, I thought I had Shame. I know. I'm I'm uh, All right. Uh, and we're not in spoiler territory right now, so we can take that off the head. Just gonna, we'll fix it in editing. Yes. So let's take the spoiler kicker off. All right. Uh oh, that's not what I want on the screen. See, I suck. All right. So uh, the way that we we uh, score these films, uh, we use the uh, the uh, one through ten method, with ten being the highest. Uh, we talk about story, acting, score slash sound design, production quality, and the overall look of the film. And uh, I, I'm sorry, the, which is the overall look of the film and overall entertainment value. So we're going to be doing a live tally. Uh, and we're going to start off with a story. What did you give this story? Uh, that was actually my highest score out of this list. I gave it an eight. All right, eight. Okay. All right. Uh, what about acting? Acting? Meh. I gave it a four. Oh, four. <laughs> wow. wow. Okay. Okay. No, but the two are, you know, our original points. It was more of uh, for a, especially when you're you're talking about the the lead actor. Um, he was more reactionary uh, than actionary. Um, for him to be a bit of an action star in this story, yeah, he was too reactionary uh, to my taste. And, and and later on, when people were wondering why Night of the Lepus is the final two, it's going to be because of Cher. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Cher is gonna is gonna mess up. They live. <laughs> You do what you gotta do. You yeah, say no, what I'm, I'm just do. messing with you. Uh, all right, so wrong, score slash uh, sound design. Uh, sound design, I gave it a three. Oh, wow. Um, because it was probably just about the same three chords, like every few minutes. And why did it feel like a honky tonk movie? <laughs> You know, uh, I don't. Mm, no, <laughs> oh, didn't God. fit. Sorry. All right. Uh, and uh, what about um, production quality? The overall look. Production. Of okay. Here's the thing about production quality. I gave it a five. Okay. Because I felt like it came at least halfway. Mm -hmm. I know, uh, coming from an independent film background, which is how I got my start in this business. Your work, you you, you know, work with what you got. So, um, but uh, I, I do believe, you know, I'll reference our previous comments about uh, how janky uh, the aliens looked, um, you know, and again, that's probably, they were working with a certain set with makeup artists and whatever, you know, props that they were using. So they at least came halfway. All right. And so that uh, production quality, you gave a five, right? Correct. All right. And overall entertainment value. Overall, I gave it a six. I did. Okay, six. I felt like it was less entertaining, and uh, because of that cynical tone, um, more uh, insightful 
Um, you know, obviously there was a definite message. In most B-movie stuff, it is quite gratuitous. But this was surprisingly less gratuitous, more, you know, with undertones of what society is going through at the moment. I mean, it's just, it came out so relevant. Um, and that's what surprised me most when I went through, you know, thought about the scores on this list. So um, I'm looking forward to that reboot. I am. I have faith in it. I do. <laughs> okay. The reboot. All right. I love it. I love it. All right. Let me let me go next because my score doesn't count because we're keeping the four vote. So, uh, so since mine don't count, I'll just run through mine. Uh, it needed mine, apparently. Uh, yeah. but, uh, um, okay, so I gave for story, I gave it a 10 um, oh. because I just love the story. The story is uh, phenomenal. I just love the whole, um, this idea of, it, you know, there's visitors among us. We've seen it with Invasion of the Body Snatchers and other films, but I really just enjoy this telling of that kind of story trope. And uh, the idea that you can only see them with sunglasses, which you know, that's in itself something, too, that sunglasses are what, uh, you know, are you is the way that you're able to see them. I think it's pretty brilliant. Acting, I actually gave the acting um, an eight. Um, I thought Roddy Roddy Piper, for what he was, uh, gave a phenomenal job. I thought he, you know, is he is he uh, Denzel in Training Day? Of course not. But I felt like for this role... Actually, I've seen his other roles. This, I mean, he was like Denzel in Training Day compared to his other stuff that I've seen him in. Sorry, Josh. Uh, but um, <laughs> but uh, I, so I thought it was good. I thought the, I, the other actors that populated the film did great. Keith David, tremendous. Um, you know, uh, Meg Foster, uh, all the, the older actors that were in this film uh, just did a great job. Street Preacher, all of that. Uh, score and sound design. I love the score. I love that score. That score to me is iconic. You know, uh, I love it. I mean, I just love John Carpenter's scores, so I'm a sucker for his scores. So, I mean, and I, 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 maybe because I just love the film so much, when I hear that music, it just puts me right into the feelings that I felt when I first saw it. And I just think it fits the time and it fits the motif. And uh, I just like it. Um, production quality, I gave the film a nine. And the reason why I gave it a nine is the iconic imagery that's filled through this film. Yes, they didn't have a great budget, but that Obey visual has become so iconic, and you got to give it to them. Like, it's such a brilliant look to it, the Obey. It's plain, but it speaks so much volumes, you know? And the film is chalked with iconic imagery. That's something that he does quite quite well. The framing, I thought, um, it was great. And I loved how the aliens look. Because I don't think I've seen aliens that look like that before this movie. Uh, like, they have a... I mean, are they practical? No. But they have this hideous look. And, it, and one of the lines we didn't bring up is... When he's talk, when those two cops are cornering Roddy Roddy Piper, and the cops who are aliens say, "You look as ugly to us as we do to you," and he's like, "And, and what was his retort was like, 
impossible or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And I love how hideous they are, right? They're fucking hideous, man. Uh, the aliens. They're not cute aliens, okay? They're not the aliens from Mars Attacks, you know, like, or or even E.T. You know, these guys, you do not, you don't want to, you don't want to, um, if you're a woman, you don't want to find out the guy you were riding is one of them. So, uh, <laughs> see, they had to do it. As a side note, they had to do a woman finding out because a guy probably would have just said, what the hell, and just finished. But, uh, <laughs> so, so anyway, so I gave it that, and overall, value i gave it a 10 um i love the film so much it's it's just a remarkable film that only gets better as it gets older and you can't say that about a lot of films a lot of films seem very dated and this film ages well you know even though there's dated stuff in it definitely but the the storyline the mark of a true film is can you tell that same does that story applies to the time that we're living in now? And that totally does. You know, uh, I mean, that film doesn't age, really. It really doesn't age. So that's why I gave uh, that score that I did. All right. I said a mouthful. So, Josh, uh, you're next. Okay. This is a movie with a story that's fairly simple in concept. But for some reason, it gets very convoluted. Uh, man finds glasses that lets him see uh, subliminal messages from aliens. Pretty easy to figure out, right? Um, no, with all, with all, with all the missing, my, I gave it an eight. It was uh, complicated in all the right spots and as uh, simple as it needed to be. Uh, nothing's perfect, so uh, I'm sticking with an eight. Uh, acting. See, this is this is a, a difficult one for me because, yeah, you know, you got some you got some good actors in there, and you know, then you got Roddy, who's as I said before, kind of acting. You know, he's coming from his day job where he's told, "Okay, we want to get you, we want to get these points across, wing it." You know, so uh, that's what he does. Is he a great actor reciting lines? No. That's why nobody ever tried to make him recite lines in wrestling. Um, does he understand how to portray a character? Yes, absolutely. So I I am so all over the board with this because, uh, okay, another another, I think, fair point would be how much of this is intentionally not bad, but cheesy? Mm-hmm. How much is intentionally done to uh, make this feel more like a, you know, B sci-fi flick? Because that's what I think the the tone they were going for was. So I'm gonna have to give it a. You know, I even talked myself up. I'm gonna give it a seven. All right, seven. All right. Uh, maybe I'm giving too much credit to the cast for intentionally being cheesy, uh, but yeah. The score and sound design, I think, Kente, you said it best. It's definitely iconic. Once you hear it, you know what it is. I got to stop shaking the desk because the camera makes me look like I'm 
in the middle of an earthquake. <laughs> uh, and and just the sound itself, uh, when it comes to you know splattering aliens and and whatnot, it's all good. I'm not going to say it's the best thing in the world, but a solid seven. Uh, production quality, the, the overall look of the film. And this is another place it gets a little sketchy because, yeah, money's limited, but did they do well with what they had? Absolutely. No, no doubt about it. I think the question that I'm asking myself is, like in the acting, how much did they kind of um, handicap themselves? when uh, designing sets and special effects. Again, I I think it could very well be intentional and everything looked not so much as it did out of necessity, but be, you know, uh, monetarily. I don't think it was a money issue as much as uh, this was the vision. Mm. Right. So I'm going to go ahead and give that an eight because I think they nailed the vision. Uh, overall uh, entertainment value. I think I, I, I said it at the top. I, I love this movie. Not only because of my love of, you know, Rowdy Roddy Piper, uh, not only because of the cheesy lines, and not only because of the way that it absolutely nails its aesthetic, but as you've mentioned before, it is almost timeless. And I really do hope we get to a point in time where we can watch They Live and think, why would people see, why, why would people see consumerism and capitalism like this? Those are old concepts that, you know, nobody follows anymore. And it would be nice to get to that point. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, we still live neck deep in they live, so um, it, it's very relevant. And my overall entertainment value is an eight. All right, an eight. I can dig it. Eight. So, Jen, you dig it. You. <laughs> it's on you, Jen. <clears throat> okay, so I, I have a new. Uh, criteria, if you will, using our same rating system. Uh, But I am looking at films differently this season. In the past, I have always looked at films as if they they are cinema du fromage films, as if they were, okay, rate this like you would rate it if you were a film critic. Rate it like you would rate it if you were writing a blog post about how good is this film. I have stopped doing that because I think that that is totally the wrong message for cinema du fromage. And while we have all of these wonderful categories, they need to be filtered with the cinema du fromage filter. So here goes story story gets a nine Nine. one. Everything in this story lines up perfectly. It is the beautiful and I will say comforting three part three act that just makes everything move along so nicely. That end tension is perfect. Just, It's just awesome. So that gets an eye. Acting. From a Cinema du Fromage universe, the acting gets a seven. And I'll tell you why. Because 
even when it's supposed to be ridiculous and over the top and parts of it are overacted, it blends so perfectly into the movie that it isn't jarring. It's not like somebody came out and did a soliloquy from a Shakespeare play or, you know, nothing like that. It just works so well. So overall, the acting gets a nice big score for just that reason. Sound. Okay. This one's a little bit trickier because I realized that some people didn't like the sound because it was actually so monotone and it felt like it was just incredibly repetitious. You've got the same riff going over and over and over again. I actually think that that was the background noise of the world. It right. was meant to be over and over and over and over again. This is how we get you to do what we want you to do. We just keep drilling it into you until all of a sudden it's just there. It's just in the background. Yeah. And I really like that. And also this movie makes such awesome use of silence where silence is appropriate. They're not afraid to use it. And that is such a huge, bold step, even for a movie back then, which seems to always want to score every single minutia of things happening. So I really appreciated that. Um, oh, so what's your score? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. So sound got a seven. Okay. Uh, production also gets a seven. Um, I, I, I mean, there's not a lot that you can sort of fault with John Carpenter's vision at the time, what he had to work with and what was going on. It's not, it isn't cheesy in the sense that like the production values are cheesy. What, if anything, I think there is uh, a, an excellent quality to some of the stuff that they did. Even the design of that little portal that they hopped down was actually really ingenious. I mean, it, they can move through it. You can see that it's like lit just underneath the lip of the portal. And then they hop down in it. And why is it lit underneath the portal? Because there's lights that go all the way down. Like, it's just really perfect. I absolutely loved it. Um, overall, I gave it an eight. So my scores are seven. I'm sorry, nine, seven, 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 eight. All right. That sounds like somebody's phone number. <laughs> How do you know that was my phone number? Uh, well, we had this conversation. I'm sorry. I, oh. I didn't mean to That's give it away. Me. All right. Sorry. So, so sorry. last but definitely not least, the Michael himself, King Bingman. Okay. I'll have to say that I enjoyed having Cher here. I think she hasn't seen enough of these films to realize where this sits amongst all of them. Because I think she was a bit mean on this film. I'm just saying. Yeah. However, uh, let's just do what I have to say. Story, um, I'm giving it an eight. It's a great little story. I mean, you think about it. Man wakes up one day, he's just an average guy, finds out the world isn't what he thinks it is. And ends up, and he tries to do the things that are right, but he's not the leader of a revolution. And in the end, he's not anything, which is great. I mean, it's an accident that he gets as far as he does, if you think about it. Uh, acting. Piper wasn't great actor. He did what was he needed to do, and they they got a good performance out of him. Um, like I said earlier, he was more about reacting to the world around him, and he did a really good job of that. I mean, he got that sort of incredulous kind of, I don't, know, I can't process this right now. What is happening? I really can't process this. Am I losing my mind? Kind of thing. And eventually, he has to accept. That the world is the way it is. Killing people on the streets? 
Well, that would look nuts to everybody else. I mean, let's face it. If you think about it, from the outside world, this guy walked into a place, shot up a bank full of people, left a few people alone, killed a bunch of cops, and you know disappears into the streets. That would be terrifying. And uh, I'm surprised that he could still walk around the streets, even though they were showing his picture everywhere. Later in the film, he's still walking around. He's just wearing the sunglasses. And the sunglasses were one of the things everyone kept saying. Hey, are you wearing sunglasses? <laughs> He's a blonde guy with sunglasses. Um, but everybody else loved in it. Uh, I liked even the small bit characters and everything. I liked the preacher. I liked the poor guy who becomes the rich guy, who I'm sure his voice was in Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. Disney version. Am I, am I not right? Is he not the narrator? No. No? Well, damn, his voice sounds like it. I don't know. He I, was in Back to the Future. I know he was in Back to the Future, but I was hoping that he was also the guy who did uh, the voice of the narrator in Robin Hood. But I guess that was somebody else altogether. Uh, I'm not big on Disney. No, he film. was in Robbing the Hood. Was he now? Yeah, it's a different movie. Oh, was that he was also movie? in um, The Erotic Adventures of Pinocchio. <gasps> Ooh, not The Erotic Adventures of Hercules. No. Damn. No. By the way, Hercules Goes Bananas next year, guys. <laughs> oh, we can't wait. <laughs> Arnold Strom and Arnold Stang together at last. Sorry, I'm I, acting. <laughs> I'm giving them a seven. Um, it was a good effort amongst everybody. I think they did a really good job. Everyone was very working like they did the, what they needed to do, and it worked. Um, the sound, score, and design. Yeah, I get the idea that it's droning, and it, maybe that's part of it. I also noticed that. Uh, Carpenter likes to use the same riffs over and over and over again, and it does kind of drone a little. Like, even though I love the score for Halloween, it is very repetitive. Um, Wait a minute. It is. That's there are three themes in that movie. Ninety minutes. For 90 minutes, you're hearing all of them as many times as you can. And it's I love the movie. I love the movie, but you got it. you know. We actually review that, by the way. Too. We did. Um, but uh, you know, it was it was okay. Sound uh, the score, uh, it, it wasn't spectacular. The sound design itself wasn't spectacular. But yeah, you know, I give it a six. I wasn't a big fan. It was supposed to be a bluesies thing. I get it. It's supposed to be common guy. This is the music. But the synth stuff just didn't work for me. I I I find that is the most dated thing in eighties films, aside from a very few exceptional films like i'll say blade runner um synth music doesn't work it really sounds like what it is like i found a cheap replacement for an orchestra you didn't didn't like the human league in the 80s Mm. anyways i gave it what i gave it production quality the overall look of the film um it's a mixed bag there's some the makeup effects, the practical makeup effects for the aliens, I kind of, you know, it doesn't look right. It looks odd. But at the same time, it's very alien. And the one thing that I do like about it is it takes away two major things that you need to get empathy for any character or to sort of like what they do with, you know, animal characters and cartoons is it's the mouth and the eyes. Mm-hmm. Mouth and eyes are expressive. These aliens have no lips. And their eyes are these just these big round things. There's no expression on them at all. Now, that could be seen as, oh, it's a cheap mask. 
But I think it works for this film is in that you cannot empathize with the aliens at all. They are not us in any way, shape, or form. And in fact, the makeup look of those aliens fits their personalities in that they are not us. They don't care about us. There is no empathy. There is no humanity in these things. They are there to scoop up whatever profit they can get and leave. And they don't care, which is a neat thing. Um, the mad effects for when you look down the city and you see the obey signs and everything are not bad. They, they kind of work for the part. There are a few moments, though, where they switch to a green screen kind of look when he's looking at, uh, I think, for example, the, the, the scene I was talking about where you had the old woman, uh, the matron with the, the maid and the old servant there putting in the car and you can see it looks like green screen. It's like, uh, it doesn't quite work. There's a few moments and the, the shot at the end, I'm giving it a six because there are moments there where it doesn't, the production quality is not, the topmost and i'm not expecting it i mean this is from the time of practical effects but even then from that standard uh if you look at what he did you know uh six years prior with the thing there's a big gulf between the two as far as the effects go it's not terrible but it's not great overall and uh where are we production quality that uh so the overall entertainment value is a solid 9.5 I'll almost go 10. I do love this film. I think it has some interesting things to say, more so nowadays than it did before. I think it was actually saying, hey, if we keep going, this is the way the world's going to be. And now we're where the world's going to be if we kept going that way. And it's not pretty. In fact, it it becomes even more powerful now. It's like, oh, this is kind of scary. And the way they set it up, I like it. I mean, it's not a hero driving everything where he's going to go and save it. And it's like, Oh, just follow me. And I'm going to be the savior of the world. He's not. Um, what he does in the end is not really him saving the world. In fact, he, even himself, he's at a point where he's like, I got here. Shit. These guys were like, this was their goal. And he even who didn't know what to do. And then he says, ah, oh, fuck it. Um, and then takes the shot as a, as in, he wasn't even planning on doing anything. He says, well, yeah, I guess this is what we got to do. We got to stop this thing because we got to, you know, let the world know. But he wasn't like so invested in the fact I think he was doing it because he had to. I mean, let's let's, let's remember he was in a meeting of uh, these people. and They're like, oh, we need commandos and everything. He was like, eh, I don't know about that. And he has to escape when they're being attacked and ends up in the terror thing. Says, well, while I'm here, I might as well try to stop this thing. But it wasn't like him going, oh, I'm going to plan to stop this and we're going to blow up the Death Star and everything will be great. He isn't planning to do that. He just ended up doing it, despite himself. But anyways, I'm battling on about other things. But yeah, yeah a solid nine. I do love this film. Uh, for any of the weird and weak parts in it, it it's, a, it's a really good film and it stands up really... It's, it's sad that it stands up so well. That we can look at it now and say, yeah, yeah, this is a good uh, view. And not not in the meme sense that it's being overtaken by people like, ah, look, the government's trying to control you. It's not what this movie's about. It's not about the government trying to control you. It's about a system that you're in that, you know, it drives you to being in a place where you're below it and powerless. And this is what it is to be powerless in a system. And it's it's... It's scary, and unfortunately, it's very, very true. And there you go. 
Yes. All very well said, man. Um, so you guys want to know what the score is? Yeah. I know it's not really. I know it got painted a little. All right, here we go. They live. The score. This is the first film of season four of Cinema Du Fromage, and it gets uh, 134, which is a 67% on the cheese rating. So if we were to compare that to previous films, where would that put it? All right, well, let's do that. Uh, we should probably compare it to the car. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or let's scary, scare Wester face to death. Or, or what was the name of that damn hey, film? Hey, that up? was good. That was good. Fight you on that one. Yeah, I second that. I like that movie. I know you did. That was the only one we've ever differed on. You know that? Uh, That's the only film we've ever differed on. Okay. My that other one oh, that we hated. I have it here. What uh, was that one? You know what? If I was smart, I would have had this. I would have anticipated <laughs> that this was going to be asked. I think you're smart. Look what you're doing now. This is amazing. Look, you put me in a little box beside you, and beside, and there's Josh and Jen, and we're all there. So let's, it's amazing. Let's take a look at. Now we just need Atlas in the middle, and we'll be all good. Let's take a look at what uh, was. Uh, wait. What was the damn haunted house film we saw? I cannot remember the name of it, but I hate Burnt it. Offerings. Hello. Thank you. Burnt Offerings. Oh, God, I God, how did you forget that? That is, that? The, that is the best cinema to Fromage film. Okay, so. Let's look at... It puts up below Dead Zone? Really? Yeah, so Dead Zone... That's not right. Uh, Strange Brew. Uh, Don and the Dead. Now, those were the, the top two. Those are two solid films. Uh, so it's it would have finished... It would have finished fourth. Wow. Let's Scare but Jessica to Death was fourth? Wow. Go ahead. Let's Scare Jessica to Death. By the way, by the way, Jed, now that you said you're going to have a different way of looking at it by the fromage way of things. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming then Robot Monster is going to get a better view uh, than you would normally would, like you did to Plan 9, where you trashed it. It, it may. It very well may. It very, I'm serious when I say that I have readjusted my thinking on this stuff. Wait until you see my movie choices this year, and you'll understand exactly where I'm going. Kente, can we get a rundown of what's coming up this season? Well, you know well, that. Yeah, let's do that, Kente. Let's right, let you know the folks a preview of what's to come. All right. Uh, and I already have that ready to go. So, right, Look at that. It's like almost we planned it. We didn't. Well, no, actually. Uh, and I'm, the only thing is Scallywag is going to be replaced with, uh, what's the movie? Uh, I, my, the Island. But not the Island. That you know what I, for, I forgot? Fellas. We were supposed to get a disaster film. I, I forgot the Irwin Allen uh, film, which would have been Swarm this year. Right. I'll have to be next year. Oh. All right. So next week, uh, Disorganized Crime, which I will preview in a minute. Uh, we have um, then we have Don't uh, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Okay. Uh, Adventures in Babysitting. That's a Josh movie, and Don't Be Afraid of the Dark is a um, is a um, a Jen movie. Jen. Silent Green, which would have eased, that could have been on my list too. Uh, you're just picking my movies. Uh, well, I, well, we have to have our, you know, Heston film, right? Right, we, every year, right? Charlton Heston. Um, and that's that's coming up. Now, this is another one of my films, Fire and Ice, which is a cartoon. So I think it's our first cartoon. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that is our first feature. Yes. Yeah, Interesting. It's a Ralph Bashi film. Interesting. Um, okay, I haven't seen this one. Uh, I, I'm so sorry. I, I, I didn't update because you did replace this movie. Uh, uh, so it was going to be Scallywag. 
but it's right. It, it it it's a, it's a different one now. It's still a pirate movie, but it's gone. All right, the Great Outdoors, uh, which is a Josh film. Yeah, Sean Candy, isn't it? John Candy, John Candy Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, two King, good Canadian King, boys. King, I like it. King Robot Monster. That's a. Uh, oh no, just Robot Monster. There's no oh, King. In where's it. the King? Where I get King? Yeah, because my name is in there, but it's just uh, Robot Monster. Oh my bad. Uh, I think I have it right though. The oldest film, by the way, that will not be. Real Men, nineteen eighty-seven. That is Jim Belushi and um, John Ritter film from nineteen eighty-seven. Okay. Empire of the Ants. Uh, of, uh, Empire <laughs> of Ants. I'm sorry. Can't wait for that one. A Jen yeah, I, I was hoping for Kingdom of Spiders, but I'll take Empire of Ants. I can't handle William Shatner. I'm sorry, but I'll do Empire of Ants. Uh, that's it. Next year, Blood Rain. Oh no! Devil's Rain. Sorry, Devil's Rain. <laughs> Uh, Twelve. We have um, UHF, which is love uh, that film. A, uh, um, I was about to say right, right. Movie. you did a great review of it just recently. Uh, that is a Josh film, uh, and then you'll love this one. Yeah, Friday the Thirteenth, Part Seven: The New Blood. Why? Why? Because it's a very corny film. Who it, picked that one? Me. I, a, I'm mad at you now. Very... I should, you know what? You should have had this one. I, you want to take this one, and I can pick another one besides that one. Oh, well, no, I mean because uh, if you remember this film, that's the one where the girl has uh, telekinesis and she's going against because they ran I out know. of stuff to do. I it know. was either that or they ran out of stuff. I was thinking the previous oh, one, the, the Jason Lives. Yeah, but that's that the, one was much better. Yeah, it's a better movie, but we're going crappy. And well, it, no, no, it's crappy too. But it was more cheesy. But, I mean, it has no, a, a cheesy fond opening. I, I like the telekinesis. I like the Carrie versus cheesy. Okay. I mean, look, I, I'm all right. But, I'll, but, I'm but it was, it was either that. It was either that or Jason goes to New York. But I, I just remember the beginning being very boring. Jason goes to New York. Oh, Should I watch yeah. any of these yeah. other Friday the Thirteenth movies first? Uh, no, you, yeah, got, you, got, you got enough time. No context. Uh, no then we have to know the canon. Have to know the canon. Watch all of them, especially. I'm sure <laughs> there's a video that tells you everything. Uh, but uh, Blackula, yeah. which is a um, King movie. Uh, you can blame me for that one. It's a great movie. Yeah. No, I'm just saying who who picked these movies. And, oh, okay. And Josh has Ernest Goes to Camp, which is a movie so cheesy it comes straight from the can. <laughs> I saw that in the theater too. And, Can you and, imagine? I saw this and they live in the same, and, you know, the same I, year. And I purposely saved this last one for last. <laughs> Night of the Leapus, which is about giant killer rabbits. I haven't seen it, but I've when I was doing my research, I have to look into all these movies. It's one without ever seeing it. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I delayed no, that. No, one. that was my movie. No, that was my movie. Yeah, I delayed it. Fine. I, I delayed it to the very end. <laughs> so I had to work my way up to uh, seeing now, giant, giant uh, rabbits because I love rabbits. So, uh, oh, God. And even Quick, destroy. Uh, for those those films which we don't have available to us, how uh, have we got a means of, of seeing them? We got to figure that one out. That's why. Okay. And, I, and, I, and those were harder to find. The real reason why I put these films last was they weren't coming up. Uh, when I was, uh, I, I can help. I can help with the new blood. Oh, if okay. you if you want to do, if you guys have Discord, you we could all uh, uh, do a, a a screening if we want on some oh, films. Oh, oh yeah, I can. <laughs> if we do it I, like that, I can. We can screen almost any of these movies. You know what we should do? I, I think which we haven't done before, but maybe 
if, if you guys are up for it, if we pick one night out of the week prior to uh, the review night to all sit together and watch a film together, just just the, the four of us, or, or, or if we have a guest, and, and... I'd be fine with that. Are you guys up for that kind of thing? I am. Sure. Sure. Okay. But just not, but just not a, on Don't actually, Be Afraid of Dog. Actually, actually, we did that back in the day. Yeah, I know yeah, we did. That's, that's we watched the movie and then we did the review right after right. it. Right. But, well, uh, we, we can't do that on Don't Be Afraid of the Dark because that's like really serious cinema. I mean, you know, you, you can't ruin well, the I'm not atmosphere. No, 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 no. I'm not saying we talk about it, but we, we watch uh, it. We watch dude, it together. I, I'm joking. I'm seriously joking. Are you crazy? I, I think you're serious. I think you're Oh, my God. <laughs> I see you know how I think my <laughs> I've seen the stuff you like, man. I mean, and I ain't forgiven you. I'll never forget, and I'll never forget. Oh, Jesus. I have to say, though, uh, we give we give uh, poor Jen so much heck, but her films are the most cinema differmachi, for sure. Oh, they they live up to hey, you know what? They are. I, 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 but, you know, if I can't handle it. You just have to, you just have, the thing is, this is why we do all four of us, right? Because you got to pepper, you got to pepper the really bad with some good stuff in between. Otherwise, you would lose all hope in humanity. So we also have to let everybody have their say of what film they want everyone to say, see, and then we all take a look at it. And then then that's supposed to be uh, an Oscar winning, you know. No, I mean, I got dogpiled on Plan 9 from Outer Space and I still love that damn film. All right, so let, let's uh, let me real quick do a quick review. I mean, a preview of our next week's film, and it's one of my. Oh. It's the movie I'm choosing, uh, and it's called Disorganized Crime. It came I've out. I've never seen this, but oh my in, god, it's like the Brat Pack and Fred Gwynn. Yes, it's a, a 1989 film. Uh, four crooks cause trouble. Uh, wait, let me read this properly. Four crooks cause trouble while waiting for their leader, Corbin Burnson being chased by two inept police detectives. Uh, Initially released uh, April 14th, 1989, directed by Jim Koff. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, And um, just as a side note, this is another film, and I didn't realize this until I was telling the story about They Live, where my brother was like, you got to watch this movie. <laughs> so I forgot. I totally forgot. That's how now, I- was he doing it as a jest this time. So like, hey, you got to watch this film. Cause it's shit. No, it was like another situation where he went to the film. The, and it changed to the, the theater. No, no. He went to the theater, <laughs> saw this film and was like, gave up on humanity at that point. He was, <laughs> he went to the theater and saw this film and loved it so much. And was like, so he, this was like two years or a year later. He did the same thing that he did with this. And uh, I'll say this movie is very corny, cheesy, but it's I think it's very entertaining. And okay. uh, I've seen it a bunch of times. And I sent you guys, well, let me not say that on air. But, no, uh, no. I don't know what you're talking about. Ah, la, 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 right, right, right. So you should be able to watch that film. Uh, uh, if you well, like it. I said, we should, we should make a, a, a night each week where we can all watch a film together. And share because there's some things that I can share with you guys that I do have in my uh, uh, rep uh, stuff, and you have some stuff, and we could all watch it together. Okay, we, well, let's, we might get a, a different kind of enjoyment out of it if we do that. Let's let, let's do that. I mean, we can do it. Oh, and our special guest is uh, my good friend Natasha Halliday, who is from uh, Canada, from Toronto. So, oh, yeah. So she right near me. 
Yeah. Okay. So, so, uh, so she's. I think she saw the film, so she's eagerly looking to participate with the. Excellent. With it, so. so who who has to give up? Who has to give up their uh, review? Me. Once again. No, no, no. You don't have to always do. It. I think we should rotate. I, I, you know what? I tell you what. You brought in a, a, a guest for the next week. I will forego my votes for next week, and, and we'll, we'll just cycle around. How about that? Uh, that's that's fine. fair. That's fine. And yeah. but if, if it if it is your film, then no, you keep right. your score. But uh, right, right. But this is your film, right? right. So you okay. should have your score. So I, I will I will step aside, and that way, if I hate this film, then you can go. Well, guess what? I'd be very you shocked. You don't get a say on this one. I, I'm going to say this. I'd be very shocked. If, if I don't like it? If any of you guys don't like it. Because none of you seen it, right? Or heard of it, right? Oh, no, no. Am I? Are we in agreement? Nobody's seen I it. I think so. Okay. It's the only thing I know is that comedy good. doesn't age well, and that's the problem. This one no. is very good. I like it. Okay. And it okay. has, it has uh, Ed O'Neill in it, who's hilarious in this film. This is when he was okay. trying to be in movies and stuff. So anyway, let's start off with you, uh, Josh. How can we get you in social media and all that stuff? You really want me to do all of it? Yeah, let's, let's do the... Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I'll do my spiel, okay? Mm-hmm. All right, you might want to grab a drink. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I already did it. So, hey, how's it going? Doing okay? <laughs> I'm good, thanks. Good to see you. Uh, glad to be back for season four of Cinema du Fromage. But if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that by going to Twitter and finding at Skid Comic or at Simicore Studios. Simicore Studios is my little podcast company. It's where I create a podcast, uh, which you can find out more information at simicorestudios.com or simicorepods.com to go directly to the shows. Like uh, the Wadcast, Writers, Actor, Directors, Everything in Between, every Friday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, uh, or the Backstage Slam. Yeah, I have a wrestling podcast. How about that? 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. And guess what? Every Monday, the Netflix. Yes, that's right. Same times as always, 10 p.m. That's kind of my thing. And that's where we talk about everything that's coming to Netflix instant streaming uh, over the next week in the U.S. Sorry, Canada. If you want to really follow Semicore Studios, go to the Facebook page, give it a like. And if you uh, listen to any of the shows, including this one right here, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Let the world know what you think about the podcast that you listen to. It helps with all the algorithms and kind of gets it out there. Hey, this is a show you should be listening to. Um, but you know what? I think I think think that's pretty much it. All right. All right. Jen, the lovely Jen, how can we get you in social media and all that stuff? Well, I'm kind of boring, so um, I'll just say you can find me on Twitter, uh, following Bliss1, and every single follower, I promise to adore and respect you. So if you want to follow me, please follow. Um, I wanted to also say one more thing. Um, The movie that you should be changing out or the one that says Scallywag is The Island. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, you got that? Okay, I just wanted no, to make I mean, sure. I had to check yeah. my notes to see it, but yeah. And that, and that the uh, Michael Bay film. Uh, Michael Bay? Yeah, he did a movie called The Island. That's actually pretty good, actually. Oh, is that the one about the DNA people? Or they it's, like they, you go to the island and you get change your identity or something? No, they're like 
spoiler alert, clone. But uh, oh, no, you ruined it for me. Oh, that's right, that's right. No, this is these guys are pirates. This is Thanks, a pirate guys. movie. I know. I you know what? I saw I saw the book for the pirate back in the seventies that had like a, a guy with a you know tattoo of the anchor there holding a knife coming out of the water, and that was the only thing I knew of the island was that book cover, and it scared it, me as a kid. It is. Um... Uh, what is that guy's name? Uh, hold on a second. It's gonna bug me now until I figure it out. It's you know the, um, you know who the guy is? It Michael Caine? It is Michael Caine. I was gonna say Michael Caine is a joke. It it stars Michael Caine, and and the 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 iconography that you're talking about is actually the VHS cover of the movie on the um the paperback novel uh, novelized version of the movie because that's how I knew it. Yep. And, so and actually, the screenplay was written by as, Peter Benchley. As, as a, of course. As a John side, as a side like, hey, a shark movie. Let's do an island movie with Yes, that. and it's got pirates in it. Wait, wait, as, a side, as a side note, before we were going to do this new season, I was going to pitch to you guys that we do a yeah. one-off review of Jaws the Revenge. <laughs> oh, oh, no. You know what? Oh, yeah. Hold on, hold on. I've got an idea. Uh-huh. Let's do a uh, a review film uh, review series called Degenerations, uh-huh. where we where the first film is good, and then we watch all the sequels as they get worse and worse and worse. And Jaws would be a prime example of that, yeah. or the uh-huh. Alien series, or you know any series. Any series Hellraiser, absolutely. No, not Alien. Alien Aliens is actually just no. on par with Alien. No, no. it's not. It yes, has it is. All the bad things in a in a, a no. James Cameron film. Shitty dialogue, really over the top stuff and in your face. No, I enjoy Aliens. In your face, I get I, it. I enjoy Aliens, but it's not Alien. No, and, and it, it's it, it dilutes what the creature is it's no longer scary yeah. if you can kill a hundred at a time it's like yeah okay i guess they're not that threatening oh only if there's a lot of them there was one it wiped out an entire ship there yeah. you go that's scary yeah, yeah but i like i like i mean it's good um it's okay. okay it's an action film but it's uh, i watched them all for the first time last week really oh, wow did, did you see the um it's not the director's cut, but the the assembly cut for Alien Three, which is a better version of Alien Three. It's still a bad movie, but I just saw the cinematic version. Oh, yeah. So, so did I in the theater. Boy, was I angry at the time. It's the only Alien movie I'd ever seen up to that point uh, when I saw Alien Three in the theater. Oh, really? Wow. All right. That's not a good jumping off point. All right. Let me let, let me uh, so we can run through this. Oh uh, yeah. We gotta, okay. We'll so it. so uh, you can get me. At Kente F on uh, Twitter, uh, Kente Ferguson on Instagram. Of course, the website oh, is indyradio.org. That's I N D Y radio.org. All right. And then um, what about you? Kente? You can't get me anywhere. I am a non entity out there. I just pop on this thing every so often, and that's it. Oh, and you called me the AI. I am nothing. I'm not real. Nada. You're King Nada. No, if I were if I were an AI, I would have a thousand Instagram. I'd have every Twitter, everything. I have. I mean, I have a website that nobody goes to. I have a YouTube page that nobody goes to. I have Twitter that I do not update. So don't bother. King, it's okay. King Come Nada. Come and watch us near here. That's fine. Yeah, we're gonna call you uh, King Nada. 
King Nada. Right, so. That's me. Right. Exclusivity I'll, is the selling point. So we'll, we'll, I'll take, I'll I'm take, an enigma wrapped in a I'll, riddle. You can send them over to me. 